Hello, everybody, and welcome to the very first episode of Chainsaws and Claws, a killer monster podcast. I'm Rob, the Cinema Drunk of the Antiquero. I'm Patrick Vicious. And this is our very first episode of our brand new idea, vision, whatever the fuck you want to call it. <laughs> um, yes, uh, for those who don't know, uh, this is going to be a podcast where we discuss one slasher film and one monster movie, and we will alternate which ones, who picks what over the course of the episodes. Um, first, uh, I want to tell you how uh, the show came about. Um, me and great friend Patrick over here are, uh, uh, big horror fans. Uh, you know, we, we talked horror all the time. Um, and then I guess, I don't know when we figured this out, uh, that you and me had not only similar tastes in horror, but almost the exact same taste in horror, which was, uh, a bit creepy. <laughs> a, bit, a bit creepy in the sense that you know come, since we're coming from in two incredibly different backgrounds um me you know from uh the, the bushwick section of brooklyn new york patrick from um whatever uh west bubble fuck town hick town he's from north bubble fuck north sir <laughs> <laughs> yes north bubble fuck town where uh you know upstate new york and um yeah, we just uh, had the exact same taste in favorite horror, which is slasher movies and monster movies. And, um, you know, we, we go back and forth with our love of horror. Like, you know, we we talk all the time about uh, this horror film and that horror film. Um, Patrick yesterday literally threatened me over my opinion of a horror film we were discussing. I don't know. <laughs> Threaten is the word. Is the word like I was you, you literally, you, you literally challenged me to fight to the death. Okay, okay. I didn't like. I, I didn't. It was like I, there was like a glove involved. I didn't like fucking like throw or slap or there was there was like an actual like. I I wasn't like getting on the train or anything for Christ's sake. Like it was just like <laughs> it was an upsetting piece of thing. It was an upsetting thing to learn. I'm past it now. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That that is a, a film I, I want to get to soon enough, but uh, we'll get there when we get there. Um, but yeah, like I just wanted to give a heads up on like what what came about, uh, how the show came about, this idea. You know, it was me and Patrick were just like, hey, you know, um, let's uh let's let's talk horror and like yeah yeah let's definitely do that and like you know it was just like let's 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 do it like this you know and here we are. <clears throat> But uh, with that being said, let's get down to it. Uh, Patrick had first pick. Uh, that is the slasher movie section of this discussion, the the first feature. So take it away, Patrick. I have chosen what is a phenomenally important work to both of us, which is why I picked it, in uh, Wes Craven and Kevin Williamson's Immortal Scream, which is just like, if I had to... It's not my favorite. I mean, it's my top five, but it's, it's not my, my favorite. But if I had to pick a movie that I've seen more than any other movie, I am very confident it is Scream. Because, like, literally, I've told you this story, but it's like, I didn't get to see it in theaters originally, but um, the day it came out on video was the day I was getting out of school that year. And my friends and I, it was like a Lord of the Rings journey. Like, actually, no, it was more like the Warriors. Like, there was implied violence. Um, between me and this other faction of uh, youths 
that were uh, trying to get the video store to get there first. There was more than one copy, but for some reason we had to kill each other for it. Um, <laughs> but we got there first. It was me and two of my friends and got it, brought it back to my my house and watched it. And it was like the first time in my life that it was like, because I've been watching horror for like as long as I remember. Like even like um, like when they asked me, uh, we, it's like I, we've both done Sledgehammer Horror. Um, they like my first horror movie. I was like, I said Nightmare on Elm Street, but it's like that's when I the first one I remember. But like for as long like my earliest memories are like monsters and stuff, like Universal monster movies. So like, I don't even know where it officially started. Like it's always been part of my brain, like just ingrained horror. And like Scream was the first movie where it was like. You were rewarded. Like the more the more horror movies you have seen, the more you're going to get out of Scream, and that is fucking rad as shit. Like that's that's the re- like it's an awesome movie in and of itself. Like I it's just it's phenomenal as a film, but like in terms of like there's a reason that everybody ripped it off for like years after that, and to some extent still to this day, it's because mm. it's just like it's. Not necessarily the first horror film that comes on other, other horror films, or that it like, that it was a horror film, but it was the first movie to really like nail that like perfectly, like get that zeroed in exactly what I wanted. It to be. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It, it is, it is, you know, because when I first saw it, um, I didn't see it in theaters either. Uh, I saw it on video, but I saw it on video. Uh, uh, basically, when it came out, um, through uh, not uh, legal means, uh, <laughs> um, I'm, I'm pretty sure the I, I can't be punished. Perfectly legal means, yeah, 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 perfectly legal means. Um, and yeah, like it was, it was the horror film that I felt like I became a part of, you know, something, you know what I'm saying? Because uh, the majority of the horror films at that point, uh, I, I really didn't share any like uh, connection with anybody else, uh, you know. what I'm saying because I didn't really understand horror fandom at that time, uh, you know. And a, a lot of the horror films I watch, I watch like you know, in you know, way past uh, their their time. You know, what I'm saying like '80s horror. Uh, I mean, there was still like stuff like People Under the Stairs and Freddy's Dead and uh, Doctor Giggles and those stuff. But who who the fuck was I? talking about uh, dr g was with you know what i'm saying there was nobody that's that's actually a fair point i mean you could have talked it with me but i understand <laughs> right 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 but it was like when scream came out it was you know scream was a phenomenon you know everybody was talking about scream around school and shit like i i literally remember um i was in gym class i was in junior high school at this time um and uh the the, the kids who didn't want to fucking participate in gym they just went to the office and hung out and uh, I, w- I wanted to go into the office and uh, I literally was held at bay. I couldn't get in unless uh, uh, I had to announce uh, I had seen Scream. I was like, yo, you seen Scream? Yeah, I seen Scream. Nah, you ain't seen Scream. Yeah, I seen Scream. I was like, who are the killers in Scream? And of course, spoiler alert for almost a 30 year old movie. Uh, there was two killers in Scream. It was the boyfriend and the friend. Yeah, you seen Scream. Come on. Man. And then we just went in there and fucking talked about Scream. And I had never experienced that before. And I had never experienced it just sitting in a room just talking about horror movies, you know, and stuff, especially Scream. And it was just like, you know, the first time I felt like, you know, part of like, a, um, what do you call that? Um, community? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the horror community, you know. 
and the, the in later years, I found out that the neighborhood uh, me and Mac grew up in. Um, of course, uh, I'm talking about them, my brother from another Mac, the All Star. Uh, we we were in a, a very fairly uh, neighborhood that was fairly big on horror because whenever horror movies came out, you know that was the the talk of the town. Like, I re- I vividly remember uh, uh, Friday night going to see Bride of Chucky. Um, after school, and the line was around the fucking down and around the block, and then like you know they were like that was the first time like you see this talked about in movies, but like you know how you bump into schoolmates in the line for the movie, like oh shit, like you know say hey, you know what I'm saying, and they were like yo come over here and shit, the fuck you standing back there, and, you know what I'm saying, we all go in and shit and cheering for the movie, um, like yeah yeah like you know that was it was Scream who helped me to discover that because I didn't even know that. Anybody else in the neighborhood was that into horror stuff, you know? So it was it, that was real cool and like it, you know to 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 finally feel like you know you're a part of like a community, and um, yeah, I've been hor- I mean, I was basically a horror fan before that, but like it made me like you know concrete one ever since, and yeah, that 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 was Scream that did that. Um, you know, of course, coupled with the fact that it's just a fucking masterpiece of horror, you know, I, I will always refer to it as a the great masterpiece of horror scream you know it's just like yeah it's, uh scream scream is the one that did that for me you know what i'm saying so all kudos to it no yeah i mean that's because like for me it was like it's weird because like when i was really little like elementary school aged um and we've talked about this before like i was my parents tried really hard to shelter me which is fucking hilarious because like they paid no attention to what I watched on TV. So I watched like, Tales from the Crypt, which is so much worse than most movies. But, like, um, my friends, either I would watch stuff at their houses or um, they would just tell me about, like, movies. Like, I remember, like, the first time, like, I started seeing, like, uh, like Halloween, like, 4 and 5 and shit was not nearly as bad as what I had pictured because they had, like, my, they had, like, told me what happened. And I was just, like, I had this movie in my head that when I saw, like, Halloween 4, I was, like, this is nearly as scary as the movie that I saw in my head. What the fuck is this? Like, so it's like, that was kind of how I got access to horror to a large extent. Like, cause I mean, like there was some stuff that I saw that kind of, that kind of slipped through like Nightmare on, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street and like, uh, Jason lives and final chapter and shit like that. But like, it was mostly like, that thing is like, it was like that, but it was, I felt like there was a certain point where kind of everybody kind of moved on from that. Um, except for me. Cause it was like, basically I've had the same interests, since like before i can remember like basically like comics and like horror like basically just like weird shit like whether like, it's like things that don't exist in reality like like movies comics all that shit is my shit so it's like i felt like there was a certain point where everybody kind of moved on into like more kind of like growing growing up pursuits like grown up pursuits and i just kind of stayed in the same thing and then when screen came out i remember that was it was weird because like you said like, there was, like, people who I didn't even know had any interest in horror whatsoever and might not even really have, but, like, we're talking about it at my school, which was kind of, I thought it was cool, but at the same time, like, nobody fucking talked to me. I was the weird kid. So, like, it wasn't, like, I didn't have a sense of community. It wasn't even until, like, I saw Scream 2 that, like, I really kind of fully grasped, like, the size of, like, the like the audience for that movie. Where, like, that place was packed to the fucking rafters. Because, like, again, I never, I had only seen it on video, the original scrim on video at, like, that point. So, mm-hmm. Like, I, with two other people. So, like, I didn't really understand. But, like, that's the thing is, like, it's, it's, it's cool that it did so much. Because it was really, it's funny, because when you think about it now, 
like it came out kind of at the perfect time in terms of like horror kind of died essentially like not like fully died but like it's like there was the aforementioned like Dr. Giggles and shit but like to a large extent it was kind of dead and then all of a sudden you had like this huge resurgence that came and that was like, like that was like the fucking battering ram through the fucking wall of that movement and like where it kind of united everybody because it was like oh shit horror movies are awesome like remember how awesome horror movies are and so like that thing is like between like Wes Craven and Kevin Williamson it was this fucking nuclear fucking bomb fucking movie that they made and it was like the perfect like writer director cast everything lined up absolutely perfectly which is why so many things have tried to rip it off and nothing has been as successful it was just this perfect moment in time that has just made this fucking incredible goddamn film. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. It definitely saved the horror genre. I mean, the, the, particularly the, 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 the slasher genre, because the slasher genre was all but dead. Um, the, the, the previous year, you had Halloween, The Curse of Michael Myers, and that shit was just like... I mean, coupled with the fact that uh, with the theatrical cut of Curse of Michael Myers is just... It's a goddamn mess. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was definitely. For a long um, time, I wouldn't even watch. Like, I was afraid to even watch the producer's cut because I hated Chris and Michael Myers so much. Like, so, yeah. Like, we'll get to that probably eventually. But, like, for, yeah, yeah. that's all I'm going to say for right now. Yeah, I, I definitely uh, have a story to tell of uh, which version I actually saw first. Um, through perfectly legal means. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. Um, this this definitely saved horror, you know, because you no know, the the slasher genre, because you know the slasher genre is near and dear to our hearts, which um might make us sound like sicko fucks, but you know whatever. Um, but like yeah, like it it was it was all it was fucking dead, you know. what I'm saying nothing, you know, like the 80s was a, you know the golden age and shit, and then we got into the 90s. Well, even in the 80s, like the late 80s and shit, the slasher movies were just kind of like on a downward slope like there's still ones in the late 80s that that uh we love and shit but like it, it was on a downward slope and then once it hit the 90s it was just kind of like uh, i mean you still had i mean no you can't even say that because 1990 had child's play 2 and that did well and then child's play 3 was uh followed the very next year in 91 and that was i mean i like child's play 3 but uh yeah um even don uh, mancini is like Oh uh, yeah, no, I I'm not I'm not a fan of that one. Like I like it better now that I did that. I've I've always liked it into I mean it, it is it is um inferior to part two. Uh part two being my favorite. Um but like yeah, and uh I mean we we could say that Scream is probably uh instrumental in getting Bride of Chucky made. Yep. Yeah, Bride of Chucky probably would not have been made if it wasn't for Scream. Um, a lot of movies wouldn't have been made if it wasn't for Scream. So we, we have Scream to thank for that. But yeah, it's just, you know, it, it was just really seminal film, uh, uh, of my, my horror fandom, you know what I'm saying? And it's just, you know, like you said, it, it was a perfect, um, choice of director and Wes Craven, who of course had something to prove with this one because he had the previous year d- done Vampire in Brooklyn and, Ugh. 
Hi, hi, hi. <laughs> Fucking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that. And okay, and I okay. You will very rarely see, like, hear or see me say things like that because I generally always try to be positive voice. Like, <laughs> but god damn, Vampire in Brooklyn! Holy fuck! Like, I love Wes Craven. I love vampires. Theoretically, that's a fucking layup. But holy shit, man! <laughs> yeah, like uh, Wes was best sticking with um, slashers, I believe, because um, he also did a werewolf movie uh, years later. And uh, oh god, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We're never covering curse. I unless you really want to, I've never talked I, about curse. Yeah, I, 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 I don't want to. I don't want to talk about curse. There's nothing about. Curse. I was so excited, dude. You don't even know. Like, it took them like a decade to make that goddamn movie because they kept reshooting it, and I was excited the entire time because I was like, "It is Wes Craven. It is Kevin Williamson. It is fucking werewolves. Like, this is the greatest film of all time." And then I watched it. I'm like, "What the fuck happened?" <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. That was that, that was my my sentiments exactly. Like, that should have been a layup for all parties involved. And it was just a layup. A... That should have been, like, you on a cherry picker being dropped to a basket, literally just to drop the fucking ball into the basket. Like, that's that's how easy that shot should have been. But no, they just fucked it all up. Oh, did they? Did they? And, you know what? In hindsight, we can't even blame it on Craven and Williamson. I don't. I, I, I under, no, yes. I mean, granted, they're complicit because, I mean, it's still not. I still feel like, I don't know if that would be worse. I mean, Christ. I mean, it was fucked with endlessly, but it was still technically their shit. So it right, was right. the Weinstein's fault. Ultimately, I'll grant you that. But like. Yeah. That, that is the, 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 definitely the, um, the, the, the Snyder cut of the horror universe. <laughs> is, uh, is uh, wanting wanting to see their their original cut, and it's like, but yeah, like uh, Patrick brings up a good point. Is like, is the original cut even worth it at this point? Because, uh, like, yeah, just curses is just a bad bad memory. God damn it! Like, yeah, and I and I fucking love werewolves too. Um, yeah, as do I. <laughs> werewolves are, are my shit, and I was so excited. Yep. They're getting, we're getting the, we're getting the boys back together to, 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 to bring you a tale of werewolves. And it's like, yes, give it to me, give it to me. And, oh, right. Yeah. But yeah, like en- enough about, enough about that. Uh, you know, saying, uh, Craven, uh, was really in top form when it came to just, you to know. Be fair, okay. You aren't wrong. I'm not going to, I'm not going to argue that you were, you're not wrong. That I would argue his best movies are his slasher movies. I will. I'm not gonna argue that point because you're not wrong. However, I will say you did mention people under the stairs, which is awesome. Um, Serpent under the rainbow isn't a ra- uh, Serpent in the rainbow isn't uh, uh, a slasher. That's that's a cool film. Um, so like he can do like good horror that isn't slashers. It is his best shit is his slasher stuff yeah 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 like but i I, yeah and when he delves into like old school monsters like vampires and werewolves is where it's just like uh i'm I'm sorry craven i love you but you you didn't have it there yeah you you didn't have it you failed us on vampires and you failed us on werewolves and and like and but like you know in his defense i don't necessarily think either like we just talked about curse is not necessarily all his fault. And I don't think Vampire in Brooklyn is necessarily all his fault either. 
Oh, I don't, I don't think it is either. It's, like, I mean, I don't, I don't, yeah, don't blame him necessarily. I'm just saying that movie sucks. I'm not yeah, saying, like, it's his No, fault. it does suck. But, like, yeah. Oh, like, fuck. I just made a pun. No. <laughs> I, it's not a good film. That is what I meant. I did not mean the pun. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. Like, yeah, but uh, he is on record saying that uh, he had uh, major battles with uh, Eddie Murphy over uh, what the film should be because he wanted it to be a comedy because he wanted to get out of horror. And Eddie Murphy wanted to make a serious horror film because Eddie Murphy was uh, as actually uh, a big horror fan, which is how Wes Craven got that job because Eddie Murphy is a huge fan of the original Hills Have Eyes. Um, Wes Craven said that uh, when he first met Eddie Murphy, the first thing Eddie Murphy said to him was, baby fat, you fat, fat and juicy, you know, which which is which is a dope thing to learn that uh, Eddie Murphy is, is is into the original Hills of Eyes. Um, but yeah, like uh, what I love about uh, Scream is that this was Craven with something to prove. Because I know there's there was the failure of Vampire in Brooklyn, but then it was also um, I guess he ran into a teenage fan who was like, "Well, I can't wait for your next horror film." And he was like, uh, you, "You haven't made a a, a horror a real horror film in a long time," and he took that as like offensive. Like he, he took offense to that. Like, what? Oh, okay. You know, his ego was like really just eating at him over that comment. Like, um. Oh, I, I haven't made a horror film in a long while. Like I haven't made. I can't wait for you to make a scary horror film again. Some shit like that. The kid said to him. I think he said, uh, "We need to make something that really kicks ass again." Oh yeah, yeah. And uh, uh, Craven was like, "Okay, okay." Like he he took that as a challenge. Um, it, it, it reminded me of when uh, uh somebody uh when uh, after um uh critics were saying that Hitchcock lost it when he was doing. Movies like North by Northwest, and, you know, big budget Hollywood fare. It's like, oh, he doesn't do uh, uh, movies like he used to. And uh, uh, the H.G. Clouseau had did uh, Diabolique. And it was like, oh, he out Hitchcock, Hitchcock. And Hitchcock was like, oh, you want to fuck with me? Okay. <laughs> okay. And then he made Psycho to show like, yeah, I still got it, motherfuckers. Like he like, you know, like Craven and Hitchcock um, have that thing in common where like, their most memorable movies were made as a flex scream. He made as a flex to show like, yeah, I, I, I didn't lose it at all. I still got it. Motherfuckers. You know what I'm saying? I'm still here and I can still hang with the best of them. And yeah, like I, I will say that scream is probably like out of the other four horsemen. Of course, the four horsemen being Cra- Wes Craven, uh, John Carpenter, George Romero and Toby Hooper. I think Craven was the one that, um, basically had like the twilight years of his career the most successful twilight career like especially yeah. in the 90s because like everybody else in the night the other three in the 90s did not have i mean carpenter was still doing his thing like he still had in the mouth of madness in the 90s to be fair i don't i i like i like carpenter's 90, 90s output but yes i mean i wouldn't say it's his strongest work <laughs> like i wouldn't put like i i enjoy like Let's say like Village of the Damned, but I wouldn't necessarily say like that was his like I would put it against like fucking like Halloween. Right, 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 right. I actually like Village of the Damned. A lot. No, so do I. I'm just saying. Like I yeah. just I, I wouldn't put it up against his best one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, it it, it was yeah. 
Um, he he had an incredible run from uh, Assault on Precinct 13 all the way until They Live, and then after They Live, it was just like, yeah, like you know, it was just hit or miss with him because right after that was uh, what a uh, Memoirs of an Invisible Man. Okay, I actually was gonna fight you for a second. That I realized that, and I was just like, God damn it! All right, you're you're not wrong. But <laughs> I'm still deeply offended by like the idea that he ever fell off, just because I don't care the accuracy of it. The accuracy of it is is irrelevant. Like, right, I right, just right. Think of the positive. Right, like you know, he had Memoirs of an Invisible Man, and that was a big fall off. And then he had In the Mouth of Madness, which was you know, great film, and then Village of the Damned is, you know, I enjoy it, but like you said, it's not uh, something that uh, you will put against his best work. And then, we've we've already talked about vampires. We both uh, very much enjoy vampires, but it's like, yeah, you know, not, not, it, it's, it's a strong effort, but it's not one of his very best efforts. And then there was Ghost of Mars. And uh, I like Ghost of Mars. I, I actually... Mars. I actually saw Ghost of Mars in a in a theater uh, with a homeboy of mine, and uh, uh, the most memorable thing about that night was uh, he bought some nachos and he went to open the cheese, and uh, a part some of the cheese fell on his wrist, and the cheese was so hot it burned him. Like like literally, he still has a scar on his wrist and shit from when the cheese burned him. And to where he dropped the whole tray of nachos on the floor, and he was so pissed that the the cashier who sold it to him didn't warn him that the cheese was so hot. He wanted to go back to the concession stand and throw it at them. Cause it's like, thanks for warning me motherfucker. That this <laughs> shit was scorching hot. You know? And then, uh, what else Carpenter had after that? Uh, cigarette burns and, um, what was it? Pro-life or. Yeah. That's like, I like the master four episodes. I just, I wish he hadn't made the word. Cause if he, if he hadn't made the word, I'd be like, you only made one bad movie. And that was memoirs of Invisible man. And that's still okay. So, like, that's fine. And then the war happened. I was like, well, <laughs> yeah. please never do this again. Yeah. Like, but by that point, though, I, 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 I don't think he, he gave a shit anymore. He was just like, whatever. Just give me my check. Carpenter just cares about the check nowadays. And Shane is like, I don't blame you, bro. I don't blame you. Do your thing. You know? Um, it is what it is. Uh, yeah, but, like, there, there was Craven. Was I think was the top dog in the nineties, and then Carpenter, and then um, I can't even say anything about Romero because Romero barely did a thing in the nineties. He did. I, just, what? Uh, I don't remember anything. I remember in the two thousands, Land of the Dead. <laughs> like, I remember yeah. anything in the nineties. Yeah, like with the nineties, I think he did uh, the Dark Half. Okay. Two Two Evil Eyes with a uh, Dario Gento. I have not Dario, seen that. Yeah, Dario Gento. Um. And yeah, I don't think he did shit else until Bruiser in like 2000. And then, uh, after that was, uh, Land of the Dead and, uh, whatever. Um, I like Land of the Dead, but alright. And, and no, Land of the Dead is fine to me. Like, Land of the Dead is fine. I, I, I have, you know, I have some issues with it, but Land of the Dead is then when, when we get to Diary of the Dead, it's like, oh, dude. To be fair, I don't hate Diary of the Dead, but I also, I feel like I had a different thing than most people where I'd heard how terrible it was for so long. And by the time that I actually saw the movie, I was like, it's not that bad. Like, I was like, it's not great. <laughs> but I was like, it's not like, people thought like it was the Antichrist of films. And I'm like, it's not that bad. It's fine. Like, it's not great. Yeah, but like, uh, when this is coming from the guy who gave us Night and Dawn and Creepshow, 
it's it's pretty fucking bad. I get. I'm not saying. I'm not arguing it being like, a great I, cinema. I, I, I'm just saying it's not that bad. I remember the first time I watched it. I watched it in amazement because I could just not fathom how bad this was. Like it was overload of just like, oh Romero, what the fuck are you doing, man? <laughs> like Jesus Christ, this is awful. This is awful. And then uh, what was it? Survival of the Dead. I thought it was all right. That I never saw, so that I couldn't. Say. I, it was all right. It was all right because it was like, you know, it it was Romero like just giving up trying to like have a message because with Land and a uh, diary, he was trying to like give us a message along with it, um, with with his zombie shit and survival. He just forgets all about that shit and just makes a regular as zombie movie, and it's like it's better. It's better. <laughs> like, like we don't need a message. Like, if somebody was like, "Yo, man, like, you know, your movies have like real great symbolism in it. You know, you know, uh, you got you deliver great message and and night and dawn and day." And, and he was like, "Yeah, I should, yeah, I should really go into that." And the message just speaks more over everything else. And it's just like, dude, just just give us zombie shit. Like, just just <laughs> chill. The message will follow through and shit. We don't need all this old, like, you know. Everything we don't need you fucking preaching to us, bro. We should just I'll make my own message. Up. Thank you. <laughs> right, right, right. We'll figure it out. Oh, we don't need you to fucking spell it out for us. Thank you. You know. Um, and then Hooper, uh, Jesus Christ, he probably had the worst of it all. Yeah. I mean, I mean, what what did he have? Spontaneous combustion. Uh, I'm dangerous tonight, which was a television movie. Like he he did so much shit in the nineties and shit, and it's like I I don't even know. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he did have the Mangler in what, like '95, and I like the Mangler. Um, I don't, uh, I don't think the Mangler is a bad film at all. Uh, I, it has um, my my favorite moment of Ted Levine's career, <laughs> where um, where uh, they had they they in the middle of the movie they get into a fight with a possessed um, refrigerator or icebox, and uh, like his his brother-in-law character is like, "Oh, you need to bury this," and uh, what was it? You need to bury it and. Uh, Say prayers at it or douse it in holy water, and as Televine's walking away, and drive a fucking stake through its heart. <laughs> <laughs> and it's the funniest shit I, I could think about that scene and just laugh like hysterically to this day because I just find that line so funny, especially delivered by Ted Levine. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? With fucking Yale himself, yeah, fucking uh, Buffalo Bill and shit, <laughs> saying this shit. You know, what I'm saying it's the funniest shit. You know, but yeah, Craven definitely had. The, the best uh you know uh later uh stage of his career uh out of everybody else and shit out of the other four horsemen he definitely had the best late stage because uh he revived himself with scream and then like he did he learned his lesson from uh nightmare on Elm street and did all <laughs> well uh unfortunately not all the sequels you know as the you know he unfortunately passed away he was the was he the first one to pass away Good question. I, I, I think so. I think well, because Carpenter's still alive. Yeah, so. Carpenter. <laughs> yeah, Carpenter's the only one left and protect him at all costs. Um, but I, I believe Craven was the first one to die, and then it was Hooper, and then Romero, and you know now Carpenter's the last one left. But uh, like yeah, like he he remained strong to 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 the end. Um, I know I, I got a lot of people fucking dunk on uh my soul to take. To be fair, I've never seen that movie, so I could not dunk on it. I didn't think it was so. I, I, I have, a, uh, you know, our friend uh, uh, Erica Wright. Um, she, she thinks it's a putrid piece of shit. 
<laughs> yeah, I didn't think my shoulder tape was that bad. I thought it was okay. Um, it, it, it definitely felt like an ego thing with Craven, because Craven definitely did have an ego. I know the the, the egos will let him to writing uh, The Hills Have Eyes 2. Cause, cause I remember, um, he was, he was kind of dismissive of, over the Hills of Eyes remake in the commentary. Uh, cause I listened to him in the commentary with him. I and, still uh, don't think, I think, I still feel like you're like, I, I think it's just his like general like tone. Like if you watch like interviews with him, I feel like he's, he's, a, he's, he's kind of like, I don't think he's dismissive. I think he's just like, he doesn't take this shit that seriously. So like, I never, so, like, so that was kind of my whole thing is like, I never, I never got the vibe from that commentary that he was like shitting on it. I just got the like the vibe. He but he was like, definitely he was there were definitely moments where he was dunking on it because uh um when they were introducing uh mutants he was like but who's that who is that and then like you know when they were doing like recreating the the whole uh the booby trap at the end with the gas and they opened the window and now the gas is leaking like uh, you know whatever you know what I'm saying like it just like you, you take like, like almost like a dismissive you taking my movie and fucking it up here dude but whatever you made me a shitload of money so it's all good <laughs> and then. Uh, and the behind the scenes of Hills of Eyes too, it, like he just went in there like almost with a dismissive tone, like, you know, me and my son could write one of these in a month, just you know, whatever, you know, we're gonna go do it, and then um, it shows, it shows you when your son wrote that shit in a month. <laughs> yeah, I, you're not wrong. <laughs> I, I I remember choosing to see that over 300 for my birthday, and I was yeah, I made the wrong decision. Yes, I made you did. <laughs> I made the, the 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 whole. I made the wrong decision. I, I I'm also the guy who chose to see the Conan the Barbarian with Jason Momoa over um Rise of the Planet of the Apes. Okay, first of all, okay, yes, that was a bad choice. But I will say, I do actually really like the the Momoa Conan. The one the spell did. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I I do like it too. And shit, but I'm like, yeah, uh, I should have seen Rise of the Planet. <laughs> Instead. Yes, yes, you should. I can't argue that point. You, you were correct to that fast. Yes, I, I, I remember. Uh, I think from for my father's birthday, we bought it for him on well, Blu-ray or whatever, and then uh, we ended up watching it. Um, me, uh, my lady friend at the time, and my grandmother made she recipes, and I was just sitting there thinking, "Yeah, we fucked up. <laughs> we should have seen this shit instead." <laughs> But like yeah, like I mean, my life is moments are full of the moments. You know what I'm saying? Where I just like I should have seen this instead. Um, but yeah, uh, Craven really fucking made this as a flex, and he gets all my respect in the world for that because he's just like I got something to prove, and I'm gonna show you guys that I still got it, and that he did because you know then he you know he became like because you know he really struggled after. Um, Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, cause he didn't end up doing really any of the sequels. I mean, he wrote or co-wrote the story for part three, but like, you know, he had, uh, Deadly Friend, which got fucked with, even though I still like it. Um, the, the Hills Have Eyes part two, which he completely disowned. I, I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, he did have the serpent in the rainbow and new nightmare. And New Nightmare. I mean, yeah, but like, look what new what happened with New Nightmare. Like, you know, I mean, it's a it's a fine film as is, but like, you know, nobody was really giving a shit about you know Freddy at that time. And only it was it, it's still to this date the lowest grossing Nightmare on Elm Street movie in the franchise. 
which is a sad story when the, the the remake grows more than fucking new nightmare. <sighs> I'm somebody asked me what's the worst movie I've ever seen, and I was tempted to say the 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 Nightmare on Elm Street remake because I was that's, furious when I came. That's on the list, but it's not the worst movie I've ever seen. But it's 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 on the it's it's not. I do I think I told you the story. I remember seeing it at the drive-in with something else, and um, like I was actually somewhat excited for it because my he wasn't my roommate at the time, but he was my just my friend at the time, but um. The guy who became my roommate later had said like it was really good and like it actually was suspenseful, blah blah. And like literally, I was like a half an hour in. Definitely by the halfway point, um, I was so angry with him for saying that and <laughs> making me excited for it so to the extent that like, I remember leaning over to the girl I was with and I said, "Next time I see Justin, remind me to punch him in the fucking face." Oh yeah, I would have punched that motherfucker in the face two times for that shit because. It was just like I remember just be like being absolutely furious. Like I, it was. I thought that I couldn't be more furious when I came out of the the Hollow Halloween Rob Zombie's Halloween until I saw the Nightmare on Elm Street remake, and I was like, oh no, I'm way more pissed at this one. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually fair. I'll grant you that, and I fucking hate Zombies Halloween. But like we we had this conversation. I remember I was texting you when I was watching that movie again because I was just like. A couple of years ago, it was just, or last year, I was like, maybe I was wrong. Lots of my friends are saying like good things about it. Maybe I was wrong. I watched it again, and like the first three minutes, I was like, I was like, Joe and Rest Development, like made a huge mistake. <laughs> and then it was just like, <laughs> as the movie went on, I was just like, I can't fucking, I just can't with this shit. So finally, like a half an hour, and I'm like, what do they do? The whole thing where like Michael is like getting like st- kept in the sanitarium. And I was like, cool, happy ending. Evil stays in the sanitarium. I'm done. That's the end of the movie. I don't care anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was, I was not happy coming out of either of those movies. No, you know what? You know what? Uh, I would say which one pissed me off more: the Hitcher remake. Yeah, that's legit. That's... I, 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 I nearly punched a hole in the fucking wall over that one. I was so in, in, like they literally took all the best things out of the Hitcher and just left the gore. And, yeah, and it was just like. Fuck you guys for making this piece of shit. Anyways, I, I don't. I don't want to talk about things I hate. I want to talk about things I love, yes. and I love Scream. Um, we should note that uh, we we have both stated we did not see this in the theater. We saw every every other Scream except Scream in theaters. But recently, uh, we both saw this in theaters, and we did it together. Yes. Yes, the, the, the Mahonic drive-in theater had, uh, a special night called Forever Nev, which, uh, they showed, uh, The Craft and, um, Scream, which I feel like they should have called it, uh, Forever Nev and Skeet since it was a double feature of both <laughs> Nev yeah, Campbell and fair. Skeet that's Ulrich. Fair. Um, I know I was there with, uh, a great friend and a roomie, uh, uh, Diane, and she was very, we, we were there for, great masterpiece horror scream and also because i hadn't seen uh the craft in i guess since it first came out um so that was basically almost like a kind of first time watch for me to i mean not really because i i did i did remember uh a lot of good part um a lot of moments from it but there was a lot of shit i forget like i, f- I forgot how you know the 
the object racism in in it, like you know. Yeah, which I don't understand. I'm like, how the fuck do you forget that? <laughs> like, there's I totally, like, I totally forgot it. Like, you know, I didn't know that the fucking um, reboot Marsha from the Brady Bunch movie was like so fucking racist in the movie to Rachel True, and it was just like, oh, and I remember motioning to like, I forgot the racism. He's like, you forgot that? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <he> was, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, we were there for that, and uh, Die was. They are purely for a Skeet Ulrich because uh, well, there, should... like there was like a, there was like a palpable estrogen spike whenever Skeet Ulrich like appeared on screen from like every woman within the general area. Like it's like whenever Skeet Ulrich, especially like young, pretty Skeet Ulrich, appeared on screen, there's like an audible or like there's like there's like a, there's like almost an audible moan in the air. Like <laughs> right, right, right. Like especially because Dar was sitting next to, to me on my left and you were on my right. And uh, like every time Skeet Skeet was on screen and shit, she was just like, "Oh my baby," uh, <laughs> like and, like I was literally like, "You got to hear this shit she's she's saying over here," and it's like, "No, leave him alone," and all that shit. Like, um, Screamcast was getting together for a convention not too far from here. She only wanted to go there for Skeet. Like I'm like Nev Campbell said she's gonna be there. Matthew Lillard, you know, National Treasure Matthew Lillard yep. said he was gonna be there. Uh, so many of the cast members are going to be there, but she's like, I only care for Skeet. And I was like, yeah, I bet you only care for Skeet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, um, that, that was, that was a great experience. Um, you know, to, to, to meet up uh, with you and, uh, not only like, you know, just to meet up with you, you know what I'm saying? Because I would have been fine at the end, like, you know, I was just chilling, but, you know, to meet up with you and for us to get to watch this very important horror movie, you know, the horror movie that's, very important to us in the, the the DNA of of our horror fandom, and to watch take it in for the first time on the big screen together. So I thought that was that was that was really a a great a great thing to happen. Um, and yeah, uh, I will say though that uh, while while that that was fun, that print was really fucking dark though, wasn't it? I don't know if it was the print or the um the bulb of the vector because like it was like it was dark, but I was just like I don't know. I, cause I even asked because um. I ended up, because before you guys came, because basically, okay, to tell the whole story, I went the night before, because mm-hmm. um, they were doing Breakfast Club and Ferris Bueller, which are two of my favorite movies anyway, and then I went there and said they were doing The Crafted Tree the next night, it was like, well, this is the universe basically pointing me directly at this, if I don't go, then I'm just an asshole. Right, so, right. like, I went and um, literally spent the entire fucking day at the drive-in the next day, just hanging out like taking pictures of random shit that I found around there, um, watching Cobra Kai on my iPad, like whatever I had to do, just literally just not leaving the drive-in. Because I told you before, I was like, it's one of the few times in my life I haven't had anxiety because like I, at like, when I woke up that morning at like whatever, like eight in the morning, I had my car parked exactly where I wanted it to be for the, the movie and I did not fucking move from that point forward. So it was like, that was like, that was staked out as my spot. But um, at a certain point, um, some other people showed up um, who I didn't know, but I ended up becoming friends with because we were the only ones there. Um, but like Diego and Jay and Sheila. And um, I asked because I ended up seeing Jay last weekend when they did Dead Till Dawn um, at Saxi, where we, I, we, were, we were both there for uh, Tremors. And I was like, okay, you saw this too. So like, I, you're the only person I can ask this. I was like, did it was it us or did it play pretty dark? And he was like, oh, it was definitely dark. And I was like, was that the print or was that the projector bulb? 
And he's like, I don't know. He's like, I'd heard they were having projector problems, and that might have been what it was. So yeah. I don't know for sure. I will say, though, it does, okay, it sometimes, some of the shots, it fucked it up pretty badly. However, some of the shots, I thought it made it better because it made it, like, the shadows that much more all-encompassing. Yes. Like, so it's like, so the, the darkness and, like, what's at the edges of the, of that frame, it made it that much more scary to me. So that was kind of cool. There were certain shots where I was like, wow, if I hadn't seen this movie 10 million times, I would have no idea what the fuck was happening in that shot. <laughs> right? But, <laughs> but, like, there were certain things where I was like, this actually enhances this. So, like, I'm on the fence on, like, the, the darkness of it. But, yes, you're not wrong. It was definitely it, dark. Yeah, yeah. I, I noticed immediately during um, that iconic uh, opening uh, with, with Drew Barrymore where it was just like, oh, dude, uh like I, I can barely see a fucking thing, but I mean it's okay because, like, like you said, I've seen this movie ten million fucking times, so I know exactly what's happening. I could fucking picture the movie just listening to the sound, but it's like, come on, this is my first fucking time watching a movie on a big screen. You couldn't find a brighter print than this, and I remember motioning to you and I was like, "This is pretty fucking dark," and you was like, "Yeah, a little bit." <laughs> 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 if anyone wants to get a sense of it, um, just go to my Instagram and look through my Mahoning pictures. Is the last one that I, I took one picture um, of the Drew thing that I put up, and I didn't put a filter or anything on it, so you can kind of see what it looks like. Yeah, but, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I wouldn't say it's bad. It's just, yeah, it was just like as I said, like it, it, in some ways, kind of enhanced some parts of it, and some parts of it made it like oppressive. But like, yeah. yes, your point remains valid. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, it, it was like it, it couldn't diminish the impact. You know, what I'm saying it was like I, I don't give a fuck. You know, what I'm saying like yeah, it's a little dark in spots, but I don't give a fuck. I'm watching, uh, Scream on the big screen with uh great friends, and um, we we had we had, well, me and Die had booze. Uh, Pat <laughs> Patrick is, is um very noted straight edge, so he had none of the booze. Uh, he just had Mountain Dew. Um, we, we had pizza and I'm saying I had cigarettes <laughs> and, and it was a fun time overall. It was fun, fun, fun. And like, yeah, like, you know, it, it was just like, like, it's just, just, it's imagine being in a point where it's just like, it's almost like you could, maybe, maybe it, it deserved to be that way, you know, cause I was I was at a you know point when this first came out and it was just like even if I went to saw, see this in theaters who the fuck was I going to see this with Dad uh, he wasn't taking me to see this shit you know what I'm saying and uh, I wasn't going with my sister although funny enough when Scream Two came out I went to see it uh, Scream Two with my cousin and his friend and um, as we were waiting online my sister showed up with her friends we didn't even know each, either one of us was going her her people was like. We're gonna go see Scream Two, and and they showed up, and you know I'm there seeing the Scream Two, so we all just turned into one big group and saw it together, which was a mistake because my sister beat the shit out of my arm for the duration of the movie because we sat together and like you know my sister is big fucking scaredy cat, so she beat the shit out of my arm the whole time and shit. Every time something scary happened, she would turn to me and cower in my arm as she was punching the shit out of me. <laughs> So I had bruises all over my arm uh, the next day and shit from from that experience. Um, but like, yeah, uh, who the fuck did I see Scream Three? Or did I see that by myself? 
But like, you know, yeah, I saw that. The thing is, it was something that was funny. It was like, um, I've told you this, like, because like, I always get jealous when you tell me stories of things you saw in the theaters, because like, as you mentioned, I am from a shitty ass town in upstate New York, um, where literally the, the town I lived in, basically your choice is you want to see a movie. Um, there was one, one screen theater in my shitty town um that if they, if they weren't playing something interesting you're just fucked um there was a slightly better theater with three screens that was like a 15 minute drive away mm-hmm. and then there was a multiplex that was like 45 minutes away so basically um if i if i wanted to see something that wasn't just this one random theater which i didn't go to that often because they didn't often have things that were that interesting to me i basically would have to have somebody else bring me to the theater and for scream nobody like, I ended up later on finding out very few people who had gone, but nobody, I had no idea at the time, like, because nobody was talking about it with me. And so it wasn't until I saw Scream, I saw Scream 2 uh, that did come to that single theater in my shitty town, and it was packed to the fucking rafters. It was a really cool experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and Scream 3 was the show where I think I told you um, where I should have died. Like, it's actually amazing that we didn't die because it came out when I was like 17, 16 or 17. And, um, uh, my friend had like just started driving and like me being me, I'm sitting here like anxiety ridden because like he's late and I'm like, we're going to miss the movie. 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 And it was just like, he shows up and he's like, I'm going to get you there. And it was like, literally it was the iciest, shittiest conditions. He's driving at speeds that like fucking Burt Reynolds and Smokey and the Bandit would think were too fucking fast for the road conditions. But I'm just like, push it, punch it, Chewie, go, 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 go. And like, we get the theater literally just as the opening scene is started. Like, literally the second, like that, like the Spring 3 thing happens, we are like in the fucking theater as it starts. So it was like by blind fucking luck and like the universe pointing me again at that spot at that moment. So like, that thing is like, like, it's funny, is like, the thing with Scream is, like, the franchise is, it's kind of like my thing with Batman, because, like, when I first started getting tattooed and everything, and I got, like, uh, my first tattoos were, like, Batman-related, and, like, there's always people who, for some reason, don't need to come at other people's tattoos, and it's like, oh, that's not meaningful, blah, blah, I'm like, dude, I can trace everything in my life back to Batman. Mm. Like, I was, like, literally from as long as I can remember. So it means a lot to me. And it's kind of the thing with Scream, is, like, basically everything since I was a teenager in a lot of ways I can trace back to scream because like literally the reason I started writing at all, like it's like, cause I mean, I now mostly um, kind of am writing about film, but like when I started writing, it was because I loved scream so much that I wrote the script for scream that Kevin Williamson wrote. And I wrote it and I read it like again and again and again and again. And, like, because I had seen the movie so many times at that point anyway, I could kind of all put it together in my head, and I could have figured out how this worked. So then I wrote my own script, which I then realized, in respect, was, like, a blatant scream ripoff. However, however, having said that, I briefly, when I realized that, had a, like, a bout of self-hatred. But then I realized there was people who were getting paid to make scream ripoffs. So, you know what? I was ahead of the curve as a fucking 14-year-old. So, like, I was <laughs> I was 14, like, writing my own screamer ball while people were making fucking urban legends. So, you know what? You can go fuck yourselves. What you guys, what you motherfuckers can do. 
<laughs> oh yeah, and I like I like Urban Legend, but yeah, I like Urban Legend fine. I'm just saying, like that is a blatant scream ripoff. So like I can't, I could no longer beat myself up when like movies that were blatant scream ripoffs were coming out in theaters, and I was just randomly making one because I wanted. To, I was just like, I want to make a horror movie. Like, let me write this movie. And then, like, I looked back at that script, and I was like, wow, I literally just ripped off stream from, like, like, I took, the, not only the structure, like, I just ripped it off, like, from beginning to end. And that's fine. I basically mad libs that shit. But I was a child, so it's fine. I don't, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna judge myself that harshly. Now, nah, for like, I have my, my own uh, ripoff phase and shit, but uh, that was Evil Dead. Um, me and Mac made a, a horror film, uh, a horror short called The Rudy Evil, and it's a blatant Evil Dead ripoff. Uh, blatant, just blatant. Like it, it, it's the same fucking thing. Uh, it was just me, Mac, and Preem though in that one. Um, uh, we we did make a sequel to it, but uh, that was more slasher oriented. Um, uh, Rudy, I love Evil Dead too. If you had made a slasher film after Evil Dead, I would have been mad at it. I would have been like, oh, cool. So we're gonna do like a different thing every year. That's fine. Let's keep doing that. Right, right, right. It was connected, but it was more slash oriented. But yeah. check this out. The title of this one was Rudy Evil 2 Dead by Dawn. <laughs> so, so even though it was the, the format was different, I was still ripping off Evil Dead. <laughs> so, so, uh, um, uh, I, I'm totally with you on that regard. <laughs> what's the thing is, like, I do think, um, that's like, Kevin Williamson. I still, it's funny because I just heard about, um, I heard about a podcast recently um, where he had talked about the opening scene of Scream. Um, he wrote way before it was ever intended to be an actual script. Mm-hmm. It was literally he just, something he wrote was like a one-act play. Um, and I was like, honestly, if you just made that, hell, if you didn't even, not, let's just say made, like if you just showed the opening scene of Scream as like a short film, I still think it's phenomenal. Like it's just like it's just so phenomenally well done, especially when it comes to slasher films, because it's like it it does something that I mean, I I can't say it's completely original because Jason Lives kind of did it a bit, um, not not as majorly as uh, Scream did, but like you know, basically acknowledging uh slasher movies exist within the, the universe where the movie's taking place, but like it made it part of its whole thing where it's just like. And making it to where, uh, you know, everybody knows slasher movies. Um, it's not like where, you know, they're making the, the stupid fucking mistakes that we're always fucking crying out about when we watch them. Like, don't go in there. Don't do this. Don't do that. Where Scream made it to where it's just like they acknowledge that. And, you know, and then, of course, the, especially with the character of Randy, who became basically the, um, the, the hero of, of all of us. Well, for me, until Scream 2, where he makes just um, a deplorable mistake, which uh, I will discuss when we talk Scream 2. I won't get into it now because I'll be here all fucking night. (laughs) Uh, And I'm just like, yeah, fuck Randy. (laughs) Okay, let's 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 pump the brakes. All right. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. know. But um, yeah, like, you know, it's just. It, it, I, I think it, it resonated with with horror fans because it was obviously written by a horror fan, you know, someone who who loves these movies. And it's like he's not making fun of them, you know. Like, yeah, he's poke he pokes holes and 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 uh, you know, make, you know, like you know, points out the cliches and shit. But it's like it's done from a place of love, 
you know, where it's just like, which is the things we love about this, this is why we return to like, you know, Halloween and Friday the 13th and, uh, you know, all, all other slasher films that came before it, you know, we return to them because we love, we, we love those aspects of it. And Kevin Williamson was essentially was doing the same thing, but like he was doing it with his own slasher film and like to watch that become its own horror classic, you know, in itself is, is a beautiful thing. You know, where it's just like, you know, I love horror movies. I love slasher movies. And I just want to create my own, which, you know, celebrates the love I have for these movies. And then watch it be named uh, amongst like other slasher classics is a beautiful thing. If if you ask me, you know. No, yeah. I, that, thing is, that thing I think is really cool is like the dude managed to like, I know this at the beginning of this, where it's just like, it because the thing is about Jason Lives is accurate because they but because they, they both kind of I just feel like okay the only thing with Jason Lives I feel like Jason Lives was about like being self referential of like horror mm-hmm. whereas like Scream was like referential of specifically like the like the stuff you'd find at the video store like, it's like it's like like, I feel like Tom McLaughlin when he Jason Lives was like, we'll get to this much later, but um, was basically making a movie that was about like the Hammer films, the Universal Monster movies, and blah, blah, blah. Whereas like Scream was not. Scream was like, we're going to make a movie that is basically about everything from like, let's say Halloween to like, New Nightmare, let's say. Like, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily... I mean, probably cut it off. It's probably before that. But in terms of, like, just, like, that whole thing, like, basically, the slasher iconography, and, like, even that, where those exist, but also you have your own iconic character. Because, like, that fucking Ghostface costume became iconic immediately. Yes. Immediately. Like, it wasn't, like, just, like, it was like it wasn't like this slow catch on. Like it was just like immediately. That's why, like for a long time, um, I feel like the opening scene didn't work as well because like it became so iconic so quickly that like mm. kind of took away from it. Yeah. So it's like that's my kind of my whole thing it was like it's because that was the thing is like it was just a perfect distillation of slash reviews to the extent that that's why it became iconic so quickly. It was like. Everything you've ever see, wanted to see boiled down into like this, like this little thing, and it's fucking awesome. Like it's so cool. I think I still think it's really fucking cool. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like you know, I remember the year prior, everyone had uh, hockey mask, and then uh, after Scream, everyone had ghost face uh, masks and costumes on. It was just, it was, it was literally that fast. You yeah. know, every everyone went from from Jason to Ghostface in one fell swoop. And it's like, yeah, you know, it, it's, it's, it's beautiful. It's, it's beautiful. Like, it's, it's beautiful to watch it. And, like, you know, the fact that we saw it happen in real time, you know. You know, like, you know, I wasn't there uh, to see it happen. Like, you know, where everyone's like, oh, Jason. But, like, you know, Di would tell me stories about, like, she went to see uh, uh, the final chapter in a packed theater. You know what I'm saying? Everybody was going nuts for it. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, uh, uh, you know, just being able to hear stories and, like, damn, I wish I could have seen that. And then, like, you know, to be a, a, a part of a franchise where it's like, I, I did see it happen. So it happened in real time. 
You know, I saw it happen with Scream. You know what I'm saying? To the point where it's like, you know, it's like, like it's it's all it's all you know it's all that um i remember um when my grandmother passed we went to puerto rico to bury her and uh we, we stayed in an airbnb it was a nice house too um by a beach and all that shit it, i don't know why i'm saying that you know what i'm saying it wasn't a fucking vacation but it was a beautiful place <laughs> but um uh they the, the the person's house and shit had a netflix account and uh scream was on there and shit and that's what me my cousins and uh uh we showed to to my niece and nephew because they had never seen it and it's like hey let's get there and watch scream and shit you know what i'm saying and i i'm i i, I could take pride in, in the fact that i turned my niece and nephew into horror fans like my niece uh she loves jason she says she wants to marry him um <laughs> like I, I i remind her like hey it's friday the 13th and she's like i gotta watch jason you know, I tried to show her the final girls and she was like, I don't like this. This is fake, Jason. I want to watch real Jason. And it's like, I taught you well. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but like, yeah, like, you know, getting to show them, uh, scream, you know, uh, was, was a beautiful moment. They were all scared and they loved it. And it's just like, yeah, like it, it still works years later. You know what I'm saying? Like even like, you know, everything's all fancy now for the dead homies. Um, uh, but Scream still works, like you know, almost thirty years later, and it still fucking works, you know. And it's just it's fucking beautiful. It's beautiful to me, yo. I will say though, um, we've been talking about how much we love this movie. Are there any issues you have with it, though? Honestly, I don't really, because like my whole thing is like the thing I always think is funny. He's like, people talk about, like, the whole, like, um, idea of, like, in horror movies, like, where, like, because they, they point out in the movie where it's just, like, the blonde who can't act running up the stairs, like, whatever, and I'm just, like, to me, it's always funny, because like, people would do that when I was watching movies, because I was just, like, like, I, the whole point of watching this, as far as I'm concerned, is to watch people get fucking murdered in cool ways. Like, in not in real life, but, like, in, in make-believe. Yeah, yeah. So it's, like, so to me, like, whatever you have to do to set that up, I don't care how you get there. Like, as long as you're getting there. Like, it's, like, whatever. And how implausible it is is not my fucking concern. Like, that's never, like, my thing. So it's, like, my thing is with this, and, again, like it's, and I, I have talked about this more than once, where I don't believe in perfect art. But if I did... Scream would be up there. Like, I don't really... I can't think of anything... No notes. <laughs> like, there's nothing I can really be like... No, that should not be there. I, I, I can't think of anything that I'm like, nope. I feel you. I feel you. Um, I, I do have something, but it's more in hindsight. Uh, the fact that the title Scream appears before anything happens. Because as you know... With the rest of the series, the title appears after the opening scene. Uh, yeah, the opening scene. You know, somebody gets killed and, you know, Scream 2. You know, Scream 2. Scream 3. And 4 or 5, whatever. Oh, no, not Scream 5. <laughs> <laughs> that, does, that does not happen because that one is just all new movie Scream. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> 
Oh, let's not let's get us started on what they what they're gonna call uh Scream Six. I will fucking kill somebody, I swear to God, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> but Scream appears first. It's Scream and then it goes into the movie, the opening scene, and it's like that bugs me in hindsight. Like it, it bugs me. Like like I watch it like, you know, and I, I don't watch it like fucking um like all the time like I used to. Like, but I watch it every so often because you know I, I I always return to Scream, um, but like every time I do, it's like it always bugs me that Scream is the first thing you see, you know, Scream and like you know the fucking screaming that it yeah. does and shit. For some okay, I do see your point, but my only thing is I do think it's kind of cool because it kind of sets you on edge, like right at the beginning when it has like that like fucking pounding fucking like. Lag at the beginning of it, and then like then it goes into like hello, like it sets you like it it puts you in a fucking heightened state of fear before anything has happened. Like so, like the second that like before anything like that Ghostface said on the phone has gotten remotely frightening, you're already like prepared for something bad to happen. Like I think that's kind of cool personally, but I do see your point. I hear, I hear. Also, this is another thing that happens in hindsight, and I remember saying this to you as we were watching it. This is purely in hindsight. Was that uh, knowing now what we know about the series and about um, Dewey, uh, played by, of course, David Arquette, the fact that they make him at this point in time where in the movie where they make him a red herring, like, uh, like, oh, like you know, Dewey could be the killer. You know, when he's out with Gail and shit, and it's like, oh, you're not scared, are you? And it's like, it's obvious they're trying to, like, make him a red herring. And it's like, you know, you watch it now and shit, knowing where we know about Dewey, and it's like, oh, knock it the fuck off. It's like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like, we, we can never believe that about Dewey, that Dewey is the killer. You know what I'm saying? Dewey is the sweetest fucking thing ever and shit. And it's like, but, like, I get it. Like, you know, this was the first entry, you know what I'm saying? It's like, like Randy said, everybody's the suspect. So, like, of course, you know, like, they're going to make Dewey a suspect, you know, but it's like, no, no. Like, I watch this now and I'm like, how dare you? How dare you do that? <laughs> Our beautiful Dewey. It's like, <laughs> I don't know if you ever heard, like, um, I remember I had heard, I felt like they, William and I read the script, but um, Dewey was really written as, like, a fucking, like, like the kind of like the big guy, like the big fucking yeah. almost jockish guy mm-hmm. in, um, like, the movie and it was because David Arquette had this take where he was this adorable like goofy whatever that made him what he became but like I feel like if you take if you take it from that perspective like Dewey would be a very good red herring because it's like it would be like oh fuck of course the big motherfucker who's like clearly very athletic like clearly that guy because that's the one thing I do and I'm not saying because this isn't a nitpick the thing I do think is funny watching it now, because uh, the same thing I think is funny watching Nightmare on Elm Street now, is the guys that are positioned, because it's kind of like the Breakfast Club kind of situation with like, the kids, and um, so I guess theoretically Skeet is supposed to be like the jock of the group, uh, mm-hmm. um, which is the same thing with Johnny Depp and Nightmare on Elm Street, like, these are the least believable jocks I've ever seen in any horror film I've ever seen in my entire life, in any film, in life, these are the least believable jocks I've ever seen in my life, like... But like whatever, I'm not mad about it. Like it's it, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah, yeah, def- definitely. Um, 
definitely about the uh, Charlie Depp and Nightmare on Elm Street, but we'll get to that eventually. Yeah. Um, there's another one I just thought of. Um, the fact that uh, Randy seems to have found a copy of Halloween that is plays forever because um <laughs> when uh like everything is going down like like when he's like oh jamie behind you with ghostface behind him is that the part where laurie is about to cross the street to go to the house and shit to check on linda and and, and all that stuff and then when the final climax happens and shit where like she's fighting Stu and billy it's only up to the part where laurie's in the closet and michael's uh, you know, attacking her, and it's like this. That movie should have been fucking over. I know how long Halloween is. This, what, what, what kind of Halloween do you have where it takes that long to get to the scene with Laurie in the goddamn closet? This shit should have been over. The credits should have been fucking already ran by and shit. This, this, this kind of oh, Halloween. No. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh no, we're we're, we're talking about horror fans. Oh no, nobody's ever rewound things to watch parts again. No, that's not a thing that ever happens in life. I'm sorry, Rob. I'm sorry. That's clear. That's clear what was happening, and you're wrong. Is all I'm saying. You're you're absolutely wrong. That's fine. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying that uh, it, it could be that, but it also could be like the, the he found the extended cut of uh, Halloween that was two and a half hours long because uh, <laughs> that shit. The, the fact that that shit is still playing as that, all that shit is happening is actually is, no. Now that you've said that, like my one nitpick, and I texted you when I saw it, and it took me like almost thirty years to notice. So therefore, it's still not a bad thing because it took me almost thirty years to notice. But um, the whole thing that's funny to me is there are two killers, so therefore there are two people. When there's the whole point when Gale shows up, one of them could very easily be watching their hostages, and the other one paying attention to Gale. But no, both of them like engage Gale, so Sydney is able to escape. Which I'm just like, granted, from a story perspective, it does kind of make sense because Stu is a fucking moron. Mm. So like, it does technically make sense, and it did take me decades to notice that. But I was like, you dumb motherfuckers! Like this isn't even like like Michael Myers or Jason, where there's only one of you. There is literally one of you to watch and one of you to take care of Gale. If there is two of you motherfuckers, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> that is true. That is true. But, like, I think you just answered your own question when you said yes. Stu was a fucking moron. Yes. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> no, it, it does make sense from a story perspective. I'm just saying, I never noticed that until, like, the other time I was watching. I'm like, what the fuck? What the fuck is wrong with Stu? Like, 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 you literally, you just let them get away. You just let them get away, you dumb fucker. Literally, the dad is taped, for Christ's sake. Like, right. how fucking hard was it for him to get away? And he got away. What the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I definitely agree with you on that. Uh, so <laughs> that that is our only real problem with it. Uh, everything else is nitpicks I have, but uh, me and Patrick come together for <laughs> the real fucking issue right there. But, you know. Uh, Stu is a fucking moron, so that answers our our, our uh, question right there. <laughs> but um, do do we have anything else to say about Scream? Or... No, I just yeah, no, I I, I just I, I from top to bottom, as I said, like it's it's just it's fucking masterpiece. Like, and I, yes. it's very rare that I just, like say that and like say something is like perfect or close to perfect. But Scream is fucking phenomenal. Fucking yeah. phenomenal. 
Okay, now that we've gotten our first feature out of the way, we're moving into our second one, which is my pick, and that is 1981's An American Werewolf in London. Um, yeah, like when Patrick picked Scream, I felt like uh, I thought about many movies to, to match with it, and uh, the film to me that had the most connective tissue with Scream was an American Werewolf in London. Although we could have gone The Howling, but I felt The Howling is a bit uh, overly meta. Then, oh, we're doing The Howling at some point. Oh no, we're definitely doing The Howling. Oh, there's no doubt about it. But I felt like because with, with Scream, like Scream is not like people get sometimes get the wrong idea about Scream and will think it's like a parody, like like it's making fun, of, and it's not. You know, what I'm saying like it, it has meta moments, but it's really just a straight. Like I think uh Leonard Moulton said it best when he was like when he was talking about uh an American werewolf in London, and I think it applies for Scream as well, when he said it's not a parody, it's not a spoof, it's just a straight, full blooded horror film that just happens to have a sharp sense of humor. And yes, that applies to Scream and that applies to this film we're talking about right now. Another great masterpiece of horror, an American werewolf in London, uh, directed by, of course, John Landis, piece of shit. Um, <laughs> I was not gonna. Okay, that's fine. I was gonna, I was gonna not acknowledge it, but that's fine. <laughs> Just get it out the way. Just get it out the way. Okay. Um, uh, stars David Norton and Griffin Dunn and um. Jenny Yes, yeah, Jenny Agutter. I always like um. I feel like I have the pronunciation of her last name correct, and then I'm just like. I have is no it, idea if I'm pronouncing it correct or not. I just, I, <laughs> I, th- I think that should be it. Like, it, I mean, you know, whatever. Um, but yes, uh, I felt this was the best film to pair it with uh, Scream. Because, uh, like I said, both films are full-blooded horror films. Sharp sense of humor, but also meta. Um, when dealing with uh, past uh, films of its ilk, this one, of course, being werewolf movies. Um, and... I remember the first time I saw this, uh, of course, I saw this on video because this was way past uh, the point of uh, me having seen this in theater since this came out in 1980. I want to say it was 82, but I could be wrong. Uh, I think it's either 80 or 81. Hold on. I have the Arrow Blu-ray right next to me. And uh, does it say? Does it say? Eighty-one or eighty-two? What is that? Because I, I know the fortieth anniversary like either just happened or happened last year. It just says nineteen eighties and shit. Nineteen eighty-one. Nineteen eighty-one. Okay. Nineteen eighty-one. Okay. So, which, which is a damn good year for horror films. Nineteen eighty-one. I mean, that was the year of the fucking uh, the slasher boom. Like, that was the golden year because what was it like? 29 slasher movies came out mm-hmm. and uh and then you had this and the howling came out the in the same year and shit so you had that but like that's the reason i saw i saw this because um like like i said i'm a huge fan of werewolf movies uh ever since um bad moon which is another uh werewolf movie i i love me and in my heart which also came out in 96 um the, the year of scream uh which is fun i, I just fucking realize that <laughs> you know what i'm saying but it is what it is um but but i love werewolf movies before that uh, i love uh uh wolfman with uh lon chaney werewolf of london uh curse of the werewolf which gets a uh, um referenced in here 
Yep. Um, it's one. It's, it's probably, Reed. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that's that's one of my favorite moment in the movie. Uh, well, no, my second favorite moment in the film. Uh, have you? Did you ever see the Wolfman? Is that the one with Oliver Reed? <laughs> you know, what I'm saying I, I love that part. Um, but like, I had you know, I, I had this love for werewolf movies, but I had never seen this or The Howling. This was in the '90s, so I was like, what? 12 13 when when the, when I was going about like you know trying to watch these films and I bought both um and like I I knew, I want to see how they stacked up against each other as well as you know being seeing both the centerpieces of both these movies which is of course the werewolf transformations and um I remember seeing the howling first I believe and like Oh yeah, this is this is good. This is good. And then I saw American Werewolf in London, and then I was like, "Oh yeah, this is this is well." well I mean, not to shit on the Howling, and, and of course we would get, we, like we said, we'll definitely get to the Howling. But yeah, the the American Werewolf of London is, um, it's, it's not my favorite. Where, but I definitely think when it comes to werewolf movies, this is probably the top tier one. Uh, depending on the day, too, the dish of the howling is my favorite. I can't, I, I can't. I mean, like most days, I would pick American Werewolf, but like it's 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 tough because I I love them both very very much. Yeah, uh, yeah. It, it's it's like <clears throat> I think with the howling though is like matter of fact, let's stop talking about the howling because I want to save it. I, I want to save this any points for the howling because uh, I I really want to talk the howling at some point, but. What I love about American Werewolf in London is, um, it, it's like, like, like it, I just quoted Leonard Moulton. Like, it, it has those moments where it's funny. And of course, it being a John Landis film, you would think it was going to be a comedy. And there are moments where it's really funny. Like, my, my all time favorite moment in the film is when, uh, after, uh, uh, David and Jack get attacked and, um, and David's in the hospital and he's about to eat the breakfast. What was it? The breakfast? Yeah. And he sees uh, uh, Jack's uh, fucking ghost, you know. Can I have a piece of toast? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? His mutilated corpse in the corner. Can I have a piece of toast? Get the fuck out of here, Jack. You know what I'm saying? That's my all-time favorite moment in the movie. Too. I, I even posted, one time posted a clip of me watching that and me dying laughing at that line. Because I, I fucking love that line so much in, in that moment. But it's like, yeah, it, it's incredibly funny. But also, like, when it when it's scary... It's really like it, it's it's really it, it gets really fucking like you know the the scare sequences are really well done, um like the, the chase through the 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 train fucking station yeah, and shit, yeah, yeah it, it's fucking it's a phenomenal chase sequence and like you know you you don't expect that coming from filmmaker like John Landis I, I guess that's why he got it is because of this where he got named the master of horror which still bugs me the fuck out like you know for one fucking movie I mean. Of course, two movies, you know, because he, he he's he's a murderer who murdered Vic Morrow. Okay, okay, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. However, three movies because Innocent Blood. But okay, go ahead. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But he was he'll still be remembered as uh, yes, the guy who murdered Vic Morrow with two children. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But it is what it is. But yeah, um, uh, and of course, it it is the film that uh, won the first uh. Oscar for makeup effects after they made it a category. Yeah, and they it, made it a category for this because they were like, yeah, yeah. we have to give them an Oscar. It doesn't, doesn't matter the, the award doesn't exist. We're going to make it up for this goddamn movie. 
Yeah, yeah. And it, 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 of course, how how could you not? Like, how could you not see this movie and think, wow, this is fucking amazing? You know what I'm saying? It is. It, it is I mean, the, the transformation sequence itself deserved the fucking award. But like everything else, like Jack's um, mutilated corpse and every time we see him, he's more in a, a different state of decomposition. And, and to to the point where the last time we see him, he's practically a fucking melted skeleton. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And it's glorious. And and, and it's it's just you know, it, it, it. I remember seeing it that time and just like, and my mother, God bless her, she uh she was not the biggest horror fan, but I remember watching it and uh and I was telling her like you know I was I want to see because I want to compare this with the Howling and she was like oh this is fucking better. You know, like, you know, saying this, even my mother knew my mother does not like horror movies. And even she knew that this was the better film. Again, it depends on the day, which one I think is the better movie. But like, not not, not, not arguing with your mother. I'm just saying. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? But like, yeah, it is is a fucking great film that I hold near day to my heart. But what are your thoughts on it? Well, it's funny because um, when I first saw it, I was really little. Like, I was like, I think it's funny because I remember I saw the video box and it freaked me out. And it doesn't show you anything. It literally it's just the two of them looking like it's something that you don't see, which if you've seen the movie is the werewolf. But like, it's, you know, the video box is like you just you just look at them like and that scared me when I was little. But I still wanted to see it because because um, like, like, like you said, um, like, OK. Again, I don't know for sure what the fucking first horror movie for sure that I saw was because, like, I remember seeing, like, flashes I have of, like, Universal Monster movies, but the one that kind of most sticks in my brain um, is Wolfman. And, like, I always loved uh, Wolfman. So, it's like, I just love, like, the idea of the werewolf and everything. So, like, um, I really still really wanted to see this movie. And um, the first time I saw it, um, it was, like... Cause it gets it, this movie. It's funny because it's kind of like Scream in the sense that like it has this opening scene that kind of is a microcosm of the movie. Yeah. Um, where it's like first, it's just like a fun little road trip thing where two dudes just walking down the road, just bullshitting like whatever they're having a like a little uh, like trip through the countryside in England. Uh, and then like things they they get to a they get into the slaughtered lamb pub, um, which I've been in New York and it's not as cool. Um. But um, they get in there. There's a fucking pentagram on the wall. Everyone in that fucking place seems really like, shifty and secretive. Um, so things, I start to have a sense of like, I don't know what the fuck is going on. And then as soon as they got into, like they got onto the moor and there's um, like the sound of the werewolf and everything. Like I remember getting real scared. And like as soon as um, Griffin Dunn's character gets ripped the fuck apart, I was like, nope, 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 done, done, nope, done. And so, like, I didn't watch it again for years, for <laughs> years from that point on, because it fucked me the fuck up. And then, like, so, like, I didn't know about any of that shit. All I knew was, like, it was, it was kind of like, again, it was like a short film that I watched where, like, <laughs> hey, two guys are hanging out in the fucking moors and something goes really wrong. <laughs> like, end of movie. Like, one lives, one dies credits in my mind um, <laughs> but um like years later i ended up um because like when i got like because basically the thing that was funny is like um when i started having my own money like which is funny because it hasn't changed at all 
Um, basically, the main thing I would spend money on was movies. And I remember buying uh, Werewolf and Halloween, and not even as like, a comparative thing, but it's just that was like, you constantly hear, these are the two best werewolf movies. So right. it's like, oh, hey, I have to have these. And so, like, I bought them both, and I watched them both, and I loved them both. And, like, I, almost equally. Like, to me, they're both five-star films. And it's like, most days I would put American Werewolf above Howling, but it's very, very close. Like, I think they're very, like, they're closer than they even get credit for being in my mind. But, um, but it's like, to me, it's like, I think the reason that American Werewolf works as well as it does is because John Landis just kind of made a John, not even just like a John Landis movie, but like he made like, cause it's like, the thing is funny is I remember like the, the story that John Landis has told where he's like, it ended up, the script that he wrote ended up getting him a lot of jobs, but because people were like, oh, this is a great script. But he was like constantly told where it's like, it's either too scary to be funny or too funny to be scary. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until he had made like Animal House and he made these really big movies that he basically had his own. It was kind of like the, the James Wan malignant blank check where it's like, he was like, okay, well now I'm going to do this fucking movie. And he did it. And I think that's the reason that American Werewolf works as well as it does is because, the, okay, the main thing in, that I talk about with Steam, where it's like, I don't necessarily care that much in many cases about the plausibility of what gets me to a kill scene because I just want to see the kill scene. So, like, however we get there, I don't care so much, but I just want to see somebody get fucking, like, I want to see Jason do something horrifying. Um, whereas American Werewolf and Spoon and, like, like, a lot of really good horror movies, like, the reason that they work is because, like, you care, you, you get to know and you get to care about those characters. So, like, that's the, the reason that, like, it actually kind of the, the thing that kind of, again, makes that little, like, short film, like, positive opening scene work that much better is because in, what, like, not even probably ten minutes, you get to really care about these characters, so you are terrified for them on the moors, or devastated for David, and just for Jack in general, because he's dead. But, like, so it's like, they manage to, like, get the hook in you very quickly. Mm. Uh, Basically, you just, it's these characters you care about and they talk like real people, and they're funny, and they're charming, and like whatever. So that's the really reason that American Werewolf works as well as it does. Because a lot of people just point to like the transformation scene that we talked about, and the, the makeup effects, which are great and phenomenal, and I've n- nothing negative to say about them. But like the reason the movie works to me is because of how well John Landis. Because it's funny, it's like you saying um, Landis being Tattered's master of horror based on this is bullshit. And I was like, but. The thing is, I feel like this does like it's like it's like um like Freak doing The Exorcist, let's say, is like Freak can only really made The Exorcist as far as horror goes. I mean, Exorcist and Bug, like they're pretty much like he like but like but he's a master of horror because he made the fucking Exorcist. Also, he made The Guardian. Um, okay, fine. I'm just d- 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 just no, saying. And, 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 and I wasn't comment. I wasn't saying it was bullshit that he he was that the, him being known as a master of horror. This I just think that it's it's wild that. He, he basically made, like, I mean, because Innocent Blood is there, but nobody really remembers or gives a shit about Innocent Blood. Okay, though... I, I clearly do, but all right. No, 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 I, I know, like, Innocent Blood is a fantastic movie, but nobody really remembers it all that well. 
Um, like you know, you'd be hard pressed to find people like outside of you and me and somebody else to like to, to like, oh yeah, innocent blood and shit. Like people only really remember American Werewolf in London, and that's the real reason why uh he got you know inducted into the Masters of Horror thing just because of this movie, and I just think that's wild. And uh, like also, it's a testament to, to, to how great this movie is that the fact that he just made one movie and it's just like. Yeah, you're, you're a fucking master of horror because you made an American werewolf in London. And also, like, yeah. I'm saying, like, he, it, it's like he fucking hit, like, a, not like a home run, like a home run that, like, fucking destroyed the fucking back, like, 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 like destroyed every car in the parking lot simultaneously. It was just like, he fucking just, he hit it so far, so hard that it's like, he doesn't necessarily need to do another horror film to be like in the pantheon because holy shit, man, like it's this movie that is simultaneously very much his vibe of being like kind of funny boomers having adventures. Um, but also being legitimately fucking scary when it goes like, like to this day, I'm still bummed out that there's apparently a missing sequence that was too scary um, because basically, I guess, like, um, it was when he, like, uh, when the werewolf kills the bums, um, was that it was so shocking that it basically lost the audience. Um, so he had, he took it out to basically, like, kind of slow the movie going. And I'm like, I still want to see it, though. Like, I'm not saying you have to put it back, but it's like, put it on the fucking DVD or something, bro. Like, what the fuck? Right. So I was like, if it wasn't that shocking, I would like to fucking see it. But that's what I'm saying. Like, the fact that he made something... That is legitimately funny and legitimately scary. Especially in the time when that didn't fucking really exist. Like, it's like, especially on that scale. Because, like, I mean, the Christ, this was, like, a huge fucking movie. Like, this was, like, a big fucking release. The yeah. big studio movie. Like, I mean, Jesus Christ. And, like, the fact that, like, he did all this. Like, it's, like, d- despite what came later. Holy shit. I'm not getting into it. <laughs> but, like, despite what came later. I feel like this still is a singular achievement because, like, it's just unfucking touchable. Like, it's like, I mean, the only thing that even comes close is the howling. It's like, that thing is like, the fact that you can do that, and, like, that's like, let's say that's, let's say that's, okay, let's even take Innocent Blood off the table, uh, and, like, not even count, uh, his segment of Twilight Zone because, I mean, this is a segment. The fact that, like, you made essentially one truly amazing horror movie is still mm. fucking impressive as shit to me. Yeah. Like, I think that's fucking awesome. Yeah. And, like, so it's, like, to me, that, that thing is, like, so like, that's why, like, I I, I hold on to it, because, like, I do really think, to this day, like, watching it, it freaks me the fuck out in certain points, because, again, like, it's just, like, they do, cause, like, I know how they did the werewolf, I know everything, but, like, it's still, like, when they go to that transformation scene, like, I, I don't know what that feels like, but I know what that feels like. It's, like, they do a good enough job between his direction, Rick Baker's makeup, and David Naughton's performance that, like, it gets under my fucking skin and, like, it lives there. Like, it, it lives within my soul. <laughs> like, and, like, it's just, I don't know. It's just, I think, it's just, it's, it's... I love horror comedies, and this is still one of them. Like, it's, like, it's maybe the first, arguably... And it's still one of them. Like, it just, it sets the fucking bar, and it's a bar that almost no one can even touch. Like, even the people who have made their fucking careers out of it. Like, it's, it's still like, 
but was it as good as American Werewolf in London? And the answer is always going to be like, eh. <laughs> like, so it's like again. I think that's I think that's fucking cool. I, I just I think it's it's great. I think that's fucking cool as shit. Like you had you only like, let's say you only made one horror movie. That's a fucking incredible goddamn effort. Like it's still mm-hmm. fucking awesome. Right, right, right. I think a, a, a lot of the success of it though could be pointed at um, the the main performance of David Norton, as as also as well as Griffin Dunn because yep. um. Universal were were against Landis casting Norton and Dunn. They wanted him to cast uh because of course he did Animal House and Blues Brothers. They wanted him to cast Dan Aykroyd as David and John Belushi as Jack. And he was like, Fuck no. 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 And like, you know, he had nothing against either actor. Yeah. He loved them, but he just felt like, you know, that would be sending the wrong message of what the movie is about like you said you know it, it, it is funny but it is a straight horror film and it, casting those two you're sending the message that this is going to be a comedy you know and you know he liked he saw david norton and, and he liked him and he liked griffin dunn and of course griffin dunn is like of course he went from this to after hours um uh, Martin scorsese's gr- great masterpiece of comedy uh and it was just like i think like there, there's so many more elements, you know, like Landis' direction, Rick Baker's makeup effects, but the film also works extremely well due to those two performances and the, the immense chemistry that both of them have. Like, like you said, they they hook you in just from the two of them just talking shit to each other, you know, like that one scene where they're walking down the road and they, and they, and they just talking shit to each other. Um, uh, we're, we're talking about nothing that. mediocre about that body. <laughs> like you're talking about a woman I love. I'm talking about a girl you want to fuck. So give me a break, <laughs> you know. And and the fact that they were genuinely laughing, like you, you see Griffin Dunn laughing in that scene, and it, it, he wasn't not acting. He just thought like it, it, him and David Norton were just having such a good time shooting that scene that he just started hysterically laughing. You can see him wiping his nose because the fucking. I think that was what really started it. Because he, he, it, uh, it was cold and his nose started running, so he was having to wipe the boogers, the snot, as he was delivering the lines from that sequence. And they just, it was just the funniest shit to them. It's like, I gotta do this scene and I'm sitting there fucking wiping snot, you know what I'm saying? And they're just hysterical. And, and, and it just adds to the, to, to the beauty of their friendship. You know, even though like Griffin is not as, in, in as much as the film as we would like him to be, you know, due to because we love them together. But like when he does show up and they have their their, their scenes together, like you know, we're after him and uh, David and Alex make love in the apartment, and he sees Jack in the mirror. Ah! You're not real. Oh, don't be a putz, David. <laughs> and then like you know, um, uh, he calls it. You think I'm going to be, you know, dictated uh, to? What, what was the line? Walking meatloaf. Yeah, which le- which leads to like the, the 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 great line for me. I didn't mean to call you a meatloaf, Jack. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, and it's just is is like even when Griffin Dunn is basically becomes a fucking puppet in his last scene in the film, like it, like he's just it, like the character of Jack is just basically a puppet. So like I say, he's a melted skeleton. Yeah, and, I remember Rick Baker like they were like they wanted to do it like like he's like that doesn't make sense because like you're. With makeup, you can you can't subtract. You can only add. So right. he's like, if I'm adding, then it becomes more and more obvious that it's not a skeleton because like he's gonna get bigger. Right. That's why they had to basically do the puppet. Yeah, yeah. 
And then like um the where he apologizes to Jack in the porno theater and it's like you tried to warn me. It was like uh I did try to warn you, you schmuck. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And then like there 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 are like which is probably to me the funniest scene in the movie is the scene in the porno theater where you have he's surrounded by all his victims and they they they're trying to come up with ways that he should kill himself. And it was like, <laughs> what was what was it that the bum said like how he should kill himself? And and J- Jack is like, you mind? The man's a friend of mine. Yeah, he ain't no friend of mine. <laughs> well, yeah, he's like, he's, he's, he's gonna hang himself. He's like, no, if you do it wrong, you could choke. He's like, so let him choke. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you mind? The man's a friend of mine. And then you have the uh the the, the businessman that he killed in the tube. A yes. gun. <laughs> no, I love when he's oh, like, yeah. "Yes, I do. I do look most unpleasant." You know, it's a, I think it's funny the fact that he's so deadly serious. You know, saying like he's just well, we 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 cut to him and he's covered in blood and he's murdered and shit, and he's just so pissed. But it's just like you can't really tell because he's just British, and that's like the British way of just being. Well, like, to be fair, I will say, um, he that that is my second scene, my second favorite scene in the whole movie. But also, that dude seems to be pretty, like, humorless anyway. Like, it just, like, like, from the second that the whole thing starts, he's, like, he's not having it. And then the fucking wolf chases him and murders him. And at no point was that dude having a good time. He was the one guy <laughs> in the movie who was not having a good time. Right, right, right. The man just wanted to get home to his wife and kids and shit. And then, like, he gets killed by the werewolf. And he's, like, now I gotta sit here and talk to this motherfucker. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And then, and then like, you have the, the couple and shit who are just, like, they're murdered, but they're just so fucking happy. They're so jolly, yeah. <laughs> yeah, just put the gun in your mouth and pull the trigger. <laughs> Drown him. Like, that scene is just so fucking funny to me. You know, and then, like, the fact that this whole conversation is taking place as a porn is playing on screen. <laughs> what was it, what was it that, 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 in, in the movie See You Next Wednesday? Uh, um, I think so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah no, movie, no. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I know, I know uh, the title was "See You Next Wednesday," but I'm trying to think of like a uh, the scene that was uh, taking place where um oh where, where... like <laughs> I thought you you promised you'd never do this again. I've never seen you before in my life. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then, good movie. <laughs> and then like you have that moment like I don't know why this is so funny, but um when when you see Jack, you know, because like I say, he's basically a melted skeleton. And he just scratches his nose. <laughs> I just find that funny. Like, you know, he's just, cause he's like, like I said, he's like in full throes of decomposition, but he's like, he's still a regular guy. So he's just scratching his nose as he watches a movie. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And it's like, I find that shit so funny that the, the scene is great, but like, it's, it's moments like that where it's like, I think it takes, it, 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 it helps the movie excel. Like, it, it's a horror classic, but it's just a classic of cinema in itself, yeah. you know? Where it's like, you know, you have those great moments of uh, horror, you have great moments of comedy, but like, you know, you also have nice dramatic moments, like when he loses it in the bed, take your hands off me, wait, I want to see Jack, you know what I'm saying, that he, like, he's obviously destroyed, and like, you know, great performance, and I love that Frank Oz is there, like, you know, trying to seem like he's concerned, Mr. Kessler, uh, I, I understand you're upset, but Mr. Kessler, he's a damn American kid's. They never appreciate anything you do for them. And it's like, there's so many fucking great moments in this goddamn movie. It's just like, that's, that's why I said like every, everything is coupled together to make it just a great piece of 
cinema in itself. Like, it's beyond horror, it's beyond comedy. It's just great fucking cinema, you know? No, I agree. I mean, the thing I will say, because you mentioned um, the whole thing of uh, Ackroyd and Belushi, and I was like, I do honestly think, especially at that point in their careers, I do think they could have pulled it off just by virtue of the fact that you had watched, um, which, again, I'm not saying they're really necessarily like great movies or anything, but um, like Neighbors, like they did with, uh, yeah. with the Belushi and Ackroyd. Yeah. I was like, I do think, especially Belushi, um, had enough in him dramatically as far as like chops go that I think he could have pulled it off. And I think Ackroyd could have pulled it off. Um, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not in any way unhappy with what we got. I'm just saying, I do feel like I do get why you wouldn't want to be set up to have people be coming in the movie and be like, this is Saturday Night Live the live movie at all. What the fuck is this? But at the same right. time, I do think they could have hypothetically pulled it off. It would have been interesting. It's kind of like, um, the various things with casting where it's like, I want to, I, I love that I live in the universe where this exists as it is. I want to see the universe where it leads those guys. Like, I want to live in the universe briefly to see, like, where Tashiro Mifune is the fucking uh, Mr. Miyagi in the karate. Like, these are various things I would like to see. But, um, but no, like, that's the thing is, like, I do think that what you said is legit. Because it's like, it's, that's the thing is, like, it's because it is such a fucking genre mashup, that's what makes it transcend either genre. Because it, it truly is not just like a mashup per se. It is like literally you have it's like it's like Jeff Goldblum and the fly, where it's like you combine these things into one being so inextricably that it's just like you can't there's there's no difference there's no like where one begins and one ends anymore. It's like it's very the movie doesn't work without both. Like it's right. it's very much like it's it, that's why it's as close to perfect as it is. Is because like it's just such a fucking synthesis of that shit. Right, right, right. That, I, I, you, you mentioned a fly, and it's like that'd be a great term to coin with, like you know, mashups of movie that just basically transcend both. Like uh, you could call it a a Brando fly type movie. <laughs> like, like yeah, like uh, like Evil Dead is another one. Evil Dead Two, yep. I would say, yeah, is a like great mashup of horror and comedy. And uh, House is a great mashup of horror comedy, like with like you know they come perfectly together, you know. It's just like that movie's Brundlefly, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. That movie's that movie's Brundlefly, and like yeah, American Werewolf in Horror, American Werewolf in Horror, <laughs> <laughs> American Werewolf of London is is pitch perfect Brundlefly of of horror and comedy, which where it's just like it's it's a perfect encapsulation of encapsulation of both. But like it transcends both, you know, to become just a masterpiece of of either or, and you know, uh, mashup of both. Like you know, because like like I said, there's Evil Dead Two, there's House. I mean, going all the way back to fucking uh, Abbott and Costello and Frankenstein. Yeah. You know, where it's like you know that that film is is probably more comedy than horror, but like the horror elements do work in Abbott and Costello and Frankenstein. But where it's like you know, in here. Uh, it, it, both of them are firing on all cylinders, both the the horror and the comedy. Um, even in Scream as well, you know, Scream like you know when Scream is meant to be, you know, horrifying, it's completely horrifying, and then when it meant when it's meant to be funny, it's incredibly funny because we were watching Scream 
with a bunch of people. We were all dying laughing at Randy and all that stuff and Stu. Um, we forgot to mention the, like how, like, I mean, I, you know, we were sitting outside and, uh, uh, there were other people sitting outside with us, but like most people were in their cars because it was cold that night. And, uh, you, you got the, you had that line and shit where, uh, Billy hits Stu with the phone. And of course you hit me with the phone, dick. And, you know, say so you can hear the entire fucking field of people laugh. And it's like, yeah, like, I, I love it when, you know, uh, two, you know, great pieces of uh, either genre could come together and just create a perfect, perfect piece of filmmaking and, and movies and uh, stuff. And that's what American World from London does a lot, like, just incredibly better. Like, top five, where would you put it? Like, yeah, I would say top five. I don't, I mean, I'm really just putting it together in my head. Cause, and I really don't want to because I hate math. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, like when it comes to like perfect horror comedies, like, of course, there's this, there's, we mentioned Evil Dead 2, uh, House. Um, what else is there? Um, I mean, you can go, I mean, fucking most of fucking Joe Dante's career, like Gremlins, I would say is a really good example. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. Gremlins. Trick or Treat has a lot of really good funny stuff, like the Frighteners, like all Peter Jackson stuff has really good like horror comedy like stuff. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Dead Alive is fucking hilarious when it's not fucking disgusting. <laughs> Dead Alive is fucking disgusting, but uh, and, like, it, 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 it is really fucking funny. Um, yeah, like I mean, like Tremors. Um, oh yeah, like, yeah. And like I mean, like recently there's like Slither, um, like Return yeah. of the Living Dead. Oh Monster yeah, squad. I, yeah. Return of the Living Dead would definitely be in my top five. Reanimator is fucking really high for me. <laughs> Cat dead details later. <laughs> <laughs> but no, again, but even more so than that. Like my whole thing is the thing that also makes it work. American Werewolf is because um, as we kind of established, like the bromance is really well established very quickly, but also the, the love story is established really well pretty quickly. So like that's the thing is like I do think that the, the, the thing that movie this movie doesn't really get enough credit for is how economically he manages to create these relationships with the, with the, like within it with these characters between these characters without a lot like it's like literally like I mean it's you basically have David shacked up with his nurse like within like three scenes of beating her <laughs> right 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 but like by the time at the end of the movie because like, the whole point because like this is the thing i also think is cool about um american werewolf is uh because and again okay <laughs> knowing now what i know about john landis and max landis i don't love talking about them but um i do remember seeing a thing with max landis um where he about like um his dad being like quick uh, two ways to kill a vampire, and he's like, wouldn't take through the heart sunlight, and he's like, no, and he's like, what the fuck, and he's like, no, because vampires aren't fucking real, so you can make up whatever the fuck rules you want to, because it's it's your thing, and right. I was like, that's the thing about Mark Wolf that I think is interesting, is you don't, it wasn't like the only kind of mythology to it is what David has kind of put for himself. When like um he is like I believe it's like the whole old read line where he's like I believe a werewolf can only be killed by somebody who loves him, um and like the end of the movie 
when he gets shot down in the alley, it's not fucking silver bullets. It's just fucking bullets. Yeah, yeah. Like, because there's no, like, fucking mythology to it. It's just a fucking wolfman getting shot by fucking multiple guys with rifles. Like, right. so it's like, you get taken the fuck down that way. But, like, even when they mention, like, all the ways he could kill himself, like, that's the whole thing is, like, because it's, it's not silver bullets. It's just whatever the fuck would kill a person is going to kill the werewolf. Right. So that's kind of cool in of itself. But also, the thing is, like, the thing I think is cool is they how quickly and how concretely they establish the relationship between Jack and David. But also, the love story of it is really like, cause, like by the end of the movie, <laughs> it's still to me the weirdest part of the movie is you have this dark, sad, depressing fucking ending, like mm-hmm. where it's like. He, she says, "I love you, David," and you see, like, for like a split second, second, yeah, like that. That the, the wolf's eyes kind of like soften before immediately goes right back into wolf mode and like about to go after her, and that's when they yeah. shoot him down. And then it's like her crying while he turns back into a werewolf or to a man, and she's just like sobbing uncontrollably, <laughs> and it's like this. Uh, like up tempo, happy, like fifties, like blah 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 blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's just like it's like it was always to be almost. That's almost the best encapsulation of the movie because it's like it's not. It's 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 kind of like the one point where it's it's not from the fly at all. It is the, the these two things in stark opposition to one another. Whereas like you have this very tragic werewolf story because that's I remember that that um, John Landis like the Hunter Scary movie moments. Saying that was kind of his hook with werewolves, where he's like, it, like the the tragedy of it, like how sad it was, where yeah. it's, like, it's out of his control, um, and that's kind of like the whole thing is like you have this really dark, somber thing, but then it's like this bright, happy music, and it wasn't, it clearly wasn't, like, he, he 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 it wasn't a it wasn't a, mis- a misstep, it wasn't a mistake. He knew what he was doing, yeah. so it's like you immediately are kind of like you don't know how to feel in that moment. Which I actually think is almost kind of the most brilliant directorial move in the entire movie. Because it's like, that is the one thing where he is just like, basically like, you deal with it. You fucking work it out. <laughs> like, it's like, are you happy right now? Are you sad? What the fuck is wrong? Like, what, what's going on in your head? And it's just like, and I was just like, that I think is kind of cool. Like, because that to me is just like, I, mean, I don't know. It's just like, it's. It's it's always been the weirdest part of the movie, but it's also the thing that I always kind of remember because it's just like it's such a fucking hard left transition. Like everything else in the movie is kind of like makes some sort of like sense on the path, and then that's where it just diverges. But like it works really well because of how well they've established those relationships. That like it's devastating. No, I see what you're saying. Um... Me and Mike was talking about that, you know, of course, uh, uh, our, our great friend, uh, Mike Scott from Action for Everyone, when we did, uh, uh, my episode of, uh, Writing Wrongs for my show, uh, you could have been a Bluffist movie. And, uh, in Writing Wrongs, it has a, a, uh, ending just like that where it ends incredibly depressing and then it just goes into upbeat music. And it's like, it, it reminded me, like, both this and, uh, cause I had seen this movie I'm about to mention prior to, both those movies, but it reminded me of the ending of La Bamba. <laughs> yeah. You know how La Bamba ends, you know, Richie yeah. Valens dead, and, um, you know, everybody's sad, and, you know, they're playing that depressing, uh, wow, 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 
You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And then like it ends with uh, Bob Richie, and then it's just la 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 bomba, <laughs> and I'm like, what the fuck? I don't want to. <laughs> I, I don't want to dance now. I'm depressed yeah. as hell. <laughs> And that's exactly what fucking uh, America World for London does. Is like you know, it's like you said, it's incredibly depressing. It ends on that shot with him dead on the floor, and it just cuts to black. Bomb, 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 bomb. Yeah. And it's like, and like, yeah, I remember. I mean, I love the movie, but the first time I saw it, I'm like, that's it. Like he's just dead, and that's it. And we're we're fucked. Uh, so, so, thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. You know what I'm saying? But like, yeah, um, I, I definitely agree with you. Where it's just like, it's a perfect encapsulation of the movie. Where it's just like. It ends this way, and then it just takes us into the credits this way, and it's like, yeah, uh, it's it's it is it's, you know an incredibly tragic thing. Like I was just thinking about it yesterday because I was watching something and somebody got asked, um, "Would you rather be a vampire or a werewolf?" And I was like, "I would rather be a vampire because werewolf sounds like it's fucking awful to be," you know. Um, just you know, like yeah, like it's harder to be a vampire because you got to stay out of sunlight. You know, all those rules, you know, you, you can't have garlic, so you're fucked on the pizza thing. Um, you gotta stay away from silver and crosses, you know what I'm saying? There's no, Again, I though, mean, that, but they, it depends on the movie, cause like you can make up your own fucking rules, so like, maybe being a vampire is great, who the fuck knows? <laughs> that, that's, that's true, we talked about the uh, Night Hunter and the way to kill a vampire is to break their backs. Yeah. It's like, that, that's a perfect example of making up your own shit. Yeah, exactly. Well, <laughs> like, you know, werewolf, all you gotta do is like, you know, all you gotta worry about is the full moon. I mean, well, you know, in particular, uh, werewolf movies and shit, because other ones you could just, turn into werewolf just when it turns nightfall it's, you know, sometimes you can turn werewolf at will um it's just the transformation seems like it would suck oh yeah like, it, it definitely sucks for david in here like that like and i like the fact that he, he wanted to make landis wanted to make the werewolf transformation seem like the most painful thing imaginable where like you know you can hear the bones cracking and all that stuff as like everything is just fucking and it is like uh, like I mean, that's a great moment when, um, like his transformation, like when it starts, he's just sitting there reading the book, like, you know, just la 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 la, Jesus Christ. And he's immediately drenched in sweat. And like, it's the most, it's the worst thing ever. And it's just like, that to me is like the perfect vision of like why it would suck to be a werewolf. It's just oh, like, totally. I mean, I, I think it was, uh, yeah, it was the show. I don't know if you ever watched, there's a British show. I think they made American version, but it's a piece of shit. Um, called Being Human, um, where it's about uh, a ghost, a werewolf, and a vampire who share a flat in London together. And um, I think it's the second episode where they describe um, what's happening during a werewolf transformation. And it's the most horrifying thing you've ever heard. They describe it basically scientifically, where it's just like, at the same time this is happening, he's also in liver, kidney, and heart failure. And it's like, it's just like, whatever, it's just like, Basically, his his like basically his entire body is transforming essentially internally, and you're but and you're not getting you think you'd be like flooded with dopamine and blah blah, but no, you're because you're in like it's just like it's just the most horrible thing that you've ever imagined. <clears throat> and but I do think the thing that's cool about American Werewolf, um, that not all werewolf movies do, is, um, basically they never show you the full transformation twice, but they never make it seem like it's different from time to time. Because right. the thing that drives me fucking insane when I watch werewolf movies, where they have the big fucking transformation scenes, everybody after American Werewolf, everybody had that fucking transformation scene. Mm -hmm. But then, like, 
after like the next time you'd see them, they would just like transform. Like, 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 and I don't mean to share on this movie because actually I love this movie. Um, but like Teen Wolf is a perfect example where it's like they had this big fucking transformation scene that was like, the first one I ever saw as a child. It's like I was little. Mine too. Um, and then um, like there would be times where like they just fucking close a locker and he's a fucking werewolf, and I was like, what the fuck? Like, how is what? What? No, it doesn't make any goddamn sense. And it's like. That's the thing I think is cool about Werewolf in London is that, like, they don't show it to you more than once, but like, when they show him transforming in, like, the porno theater, it's still the transformation. Like, it's, like, it's it's just a different version of it. You, like, you see him, like, clutching the thing, and, like, the fucking um, claws are tearing through his fingertips. Yeah. And it's, like, it's, so it's, like, it's still, it's, like, it's not a cheat, which I think is cool. Because, like, a lot of fucking Werewolf movies cheat, and that pisses me off. No, yeah, I feel that. I feel that. I definitely feel that. The the yeah, Teen Wolf was definitely uh, also the first werewolf movie I ever saw. Um, well, I, I, I mean, sp- I, I had seen like the Universal shit before that, but the first transformation, like the first like real. Oh, like, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, like, the no. first like bladders and fucking like all that shit I had never seen before because I was a child. So it's like, and Teen Wolf was okay, <laughs> even though I still think it's funny. Is it the stuff that like it was okay for like my like my parents were like this is fine for a kid to watch was like that movie. Where he's like fucking cheerleaders and shit. That's totally fine. Whatever. But like I like like things that were like just you know like like the Terminator. No, that was too. That's too far. No, <laughs> like that's that's too much. We can't. We, you you're not allowed to watch that. Like what the fuck? No, no, no. I, I I've been there before. Uh, like I wasn't allowed to watch. Uh, I remember vividly, and I was like a teenager about this point. But I remember vividly my parents barring me from going to the theater to watch 54 <laughs> like like i wanted to, i wanted to watch 54 and they would not let me because they're like oh. they were really against michael uh, or mike myers <laughs> right right to a dramatic role they were very very against it right like they, they were also against me watching uh basketball diaries and natural born okay. killers but uh i could watch robocop and total recall with no problem at all yeah my dad showed me to uh, Robocop when I was five, and I think he regretted that because I was fucked up. <laughs> like, I love that movie, but I was fucked up. Like, you know, uh, also, um, they, they, I mean, I, I, I really had no problem with Gore anyway because I remember um, they used to get my cousin uh, Isaac to, to babysit us, and uh, he would wade through uh, my, my, my parents' uh, VHS collection, you know. Because I, I come from uh, a family of uh, movie lovers, and my parents were huge movie lovers, especially my dad. So he had a, like a massive VHS collection at that time. And uh, my cousin Ike found their copy of The Untouchables and would like fucking force me and my sister to watch the scene where Sean Connery blows the dead uh, dude's uh, uh, brains out. When he puts the gun in his mouth, uh, like, you know, I'm going to count to three once. And, he's, and then he would pause it on a scene where, like, the fucking brains are good. Like, you see you see the brains? You see the brains? And we were just like... <laughs> <laughs> so, like, I, I was perfectly fine afterwards, you know what I'm saying, like, watching... Because, well, right, yeah, I already seen blood and guts and brains and shit. I'm, I'm, I'm perfectly fine. Uh, Ike showed it to me. He's like, you know what I'm saying? Okay, whatever. You know what I'm saying? So, like, yeah, like, I would sit there and watch Total Recall with Pop and all that shit, but, like, I couldn't watch fucking... Uh, uh, like this or that. I couldn't watch Basic Instinct or Showgirls, like because you know you can't see nudity or sex scenes. But watching people get eviscerated is perfectly fine. Son. <laughs> America, <laughs> <laughs> fuck yeah. <laughs> but um, 
do uh, I mean we talked about how great uh, American Werewolf in London is for like an hour now. Um <laughs> but uh is there is there a, like a problem or nitpick you have with American Werewolf in London at all? No, I mean there's another one I would consider pretty perfect. I mean again, it's like I mean my my whole thing is even the things where I'm like again like the thing the ending like with like the like the way that cut is like when I was younger I was like what the fuck is this? But exactly. Now when I watch it as an adult, I'm like, oh no, this is awesome. <laughs> like, this is a really, this is a really cool choice. So it's like there's nothing like about it where I'm like that I can think of. Be like, I, would I prefer that there was a way to just make David or uh, make uh, Griffin Dunn into a skeleton <laughs> and like so I just, so it wasn't a puppet? Sure, but like I don't hate that puppet. That puppet's fine. Like it's like for what it is. It's been like if you had done it with CGI, it would not have been. I mean, like now it's like it wouldn't have made me any happier. So like it's 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 fine. Um, so yeah, no, even the things that I would be like, like nitpicking, I still think, I don't know. The only thing, again, the only like problem that I have is that there's apparently a fucking terrifying scene that is just non-existent, that I'm just not allowed to watch. Like that John Lennon is just fucking put into a goddamn fucking Raiders of Lost Ark fucking Area 51 that <laughs> I'm not allowed to watch. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that sucks. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, like you said, um, the abrupt ending, um, like, 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 like I said, was is- issue when I first saw it. Cause I'm like, that's it. Um, but yeah, I, I don't mind it now. So I don't really have a problem with it. Although now that you say it, it would have been cool to like when David gets killed, like, you know, when Alex is crying and his body's laying there, if we could have just had like a reappearance, like a final appearance of Jack. Or like you know, maybe just a little solemn standing there, like, like you know, kind of sad. I don't know. Maybe it would have been too tacky. To, to well, it have... would have been just because it would have been the puppet. So it's like I feel like that would have taken away from that. <laughs> like, no, nah, like nah, I would have been fine with just the puppet. But like you know, knowing he was there and like you know, his, his friend is dead now. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, I mean, you'll probably well, see also, him. Also, in... I mean, that definitely would kind of violate the internal logic because the whole thing is basically they were like they're all stuck as zombies. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's so... right. I mean, you, you could have, like, or, um, like they did a, uh, spoilers for an American War from Paris, but they did that where, um, you see, like, uh, for instance, where, uh, the main character kills the werewolf that killed his friend. And, um, he's like, oh, you got him. And then, like, you see him disappear, like, and rise up into the afterlife. And you could have did that for, for, for Jack. I mean, but it's fine as this. It's fine as this. I, I, I don't necessarily need that. It, it, it you know, the movie's perfectly, perfect as as it is to me and uh i don't need anything to be changed uh i'm i'm perfectly fine with the abrupt ending it, it it's all good baby it's all good yeah no, i i yeah no i love it like it's like it, it means again like i <laughs> there are definitely concerns to be like whatever like i'm pra- it's like it's like whatever i'm praising a director that is just like i know you did horrible things like so it's like i do feel somewhat bad but like American Werewolf in London is still just a fucking masterpiece. Like, I fucking love it. Like, I think it's the best thing John Mendes ever did. And I love Animal House. There's many things he did that I love. But fucking American Werewolf is his masterpiece is a masterpiece. It is fucking great. Yep. My sentiments exactly. And uh, I guess that will do it for our discussion. Uh, and for this uh, inaugural episode of Chainsaws and Claws, uh, we thank you for joining us, everyone. Uh, Patrick, um, you go ahead first and tell us where we can find you on social media. 
Um, I have a link tree um, because a lot of my shit is uh, under uh, Alleyway Crew, A-L-L-E-Y-K-R-E-W. Um, like my Twitter is that. Like, the only thing that like is different is like my Instagram is Adrian Punkalypse. Um but because I thought it was funny and never changed it. Um but yeah, so if you go to Linktree, you can find most of my shit. You can find my writing, you can find my Twitter, everything you want might want to find is all right on that. Yes. And of course you can find me at uh at the Cinedrunkie on Twitter. Um uh also uh, my other show, uh you could have been a Bloodfist movie at Bloodfist Pod um the, on Twitter. I also um, made a Twitter for this show called at Chainsaw's Claws. Um, yeah, I forgot to tell you about that. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody can see my reaction. I'm just like, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> yeah, Patrick was just like, what the fuck? <laughs> but yeah, I totally, I totally uh, uh, made a Twitter. And um, I, uh, obviously, uh, that will become apparent when uh, we start putting these episodes out. But uh, yes, we have a Twitter at Chainsaw's Claws. Um, where you can find all the, the information coming out, uh, this show, like, um, release of episodes and all that stuff and shit, or whatever decide we, the, the fuck we want to do with that Twitter. Cause, uh, I, I definitely have way too many accounts at this point, you know, with my, <laughs> and Cinema Drunkies and Bluffers Pod and, uh, now this one. Also, uh, the Wrath of Steve Twitter that's just sitting there because I still haven't put that fucking show out. <laughs> I got episodes just sitting there from last year. Um, they're now a year old and they're just sitting there and I keep getting asked, when are you going to put it out and shit? There's other people who just like have given up like Mike and Wendy. I think they've given up like uh, ever hearing their episodes released. But Larry will never let it die. <laughs> no, Larry's still like, uh, like, oh, I mentioned it on this show I did. So you got to release it now. And like, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. And I, and I, I know, uh, Chris is like, I don't want to hear anything else until you put on Wrath of State. And it's like, uh, we'll, we'll, <laughs> That sucks. <laughs> I guess you're not gonna hear anything. Else. <laughs> uh, eventually, I'll put it out and shit. But uh, I don't know fucking when it, it, it comes out. When it comes out, <laughs> when I feel like putting it out. <laughs> the upside is by the time that like you actually get around to Ghost of Mars, whoever took Ghost of Mars will probably be dead. So that I can take Ghost of Mars. <laughs> <laughs> we'll we'll see what happens. <laughs> but yes uh thank you for joining us we hope you enjoyed and we will catch you next time <laughs>